0: You're
1: listening to Dramas Over Flowers. This is an episode of The Year-End Yak with Saya, Anissa and Borama. Hi, and welcome to our final episode of the year 2020. There is no doubt that we are all glad to see the back of this year, but we also wanted to commemorate the dramas that helped us through the lockdowns and the general chaos in our lives. Throwing ourselves bodily into the abyss of drama land has never been more productive than in 2020. I can't speak for everyone, but for the hosts of this podcast, 2020 turned out to be the year where we connected most with our listeners, made a lot of new friends and found new ways to express our love for dramas. You'll hear the voices of some of these listeners and friends throughout this episode as they talk about their year in dramas. And as some of them sound like folk you would love to be friends with, You can find their social handles in the timestamp description below hit them up start a conversation you're not alone there is someone out there who loves stories exactly like you do now to our listeners thank you to our patreon members thank you you guys have allowed us to create and foster and grow this show that we love and for that we are very grateful all right and now our second annual goguma awards You may applaud because it is a momentous occasion. Hosts, take it away. Hello everyone, this is Saya. This is Anissa. And this is Borama. Welcome to the last episode of 2020.
0: We did it. We made it to the end of 2020. I don't know why I'm so excited because it was not an exciting year, but I'm excited that we got to
1: the other side. Let's just say that. It was touch and go for some of us there. Yeah,
0: exactly. For many of us. Um, and we hope that all of our listeners are also, you know, holding up well and, and we're proud of you for getting through the year too. So we just wanted to start our, this is, you know, the year-end yak that we do every year. We wanted to start out with some general thoughts about The year in dramas, like from a personal level perhaps, but more from like just what we thought about the landscape and the shows that came out and what was, you know, what was in the zeitgeist and all that. So, Zaya, do you want to start? Yeah, so it's been, you know, every year
2: you get these themes Like, one year it's all time travel, another year it's all zombies. Wait, maybe that was this year for both of those things. (laughs) So we got a lot of that. We did get zombies and time travel, but I feel like what really dominated the dramas that I was interested in this year, at least, was like parallel worlds, which kind of makes sense when you think about 2020, right? Yeah. Wouldn't it be great to go into alternate realities where, I mean, things should be better, but I guess they're not necessarily.
0: Yeah, like how many times... Did we say, or did we see people saying on social media, like we've entered, this is the darkest timeline. We've
1: entered the darkest timeline. Yeah. Yeah. So definitely. Books on apocalypse are just not going to be selling well for a while.
2: <laughs> you say that. You say that. But things like plague movies have been the most popular movies all year. So, yeah. Yeah. I
0: think for some people, that's, um, that's how they cope. Yeah. Right? So either you are, compl- there's like this whole camp of people that are in the escapism boat where they just don't want to consume anything that has to do with what difficult time they're actually going through. And then I think there's another camp of people who just really want to read something that they could relate to in this moment and that's therapeutic for them so I think it's just depends on like what your personal coping mechanism is
2: especially if you consider that a lot of this you know these shows weren't written like now they were often written long before COVID read its head right Mm -hmm. so they feel weirdly prophetic and prescient and you're like huh That's, how did you know?
1: (laughs) But you know, I was specifically thinking about YA novels um, where, you know, two teenagers with no parental supervision are surviving and a (laughs) post-apocalyptic landscape. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking that that's not a theme that's going to be very popular (laughs) for a bit. Do you think I've been
2: seeing like, Okay, not like post apocalyptic, but like lockdown romance. Oh my God, those are everywhere. There's so many. Please
1: not be.
0: (laughs) I want them to go away.
2: (laughs) I haven't read any of them. Have you guys read any of them? No, and I don't want to. (laughs) (laughs) I just like, I notice them when I'm browsing
1: books.
2: (laughs) Mainly, I'm impressed that anyone writes that quickly. (laughs)
1: Yeah. There are a lot of direct to publish Kindle uh romances that are basically about like you know romance in lockdown and that's just
0: there's a book that stars a woman's romance with coronavirus
1: <laughs> I just oh my to bring god that up. did you Wait. see that why it what
0: say that again it's a with- romance with between corona- the wo- a woman and a- and the coronavirus what uh that- i have to i have to track this down i was seeing people losing <laughs> their minds
1: over it and it was like I guess there's something for everyone. <laughs> uh, we've reached peak 2020. I mean, think about how the four horsemen of Apocalypse are personified. So it kind of makes sense that Slade would be a actually. person you could fall in love with. I mean, That's a really good
2: point. I mean, it's like that book, you know, Lady Ketra and Lord Death, which is like a, a YA
1: book from that Oh, I'd, I'd, so. I have uh, Lord Death. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, but this yeah. is not
2: a YA oh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, <laughs> back on track. Back to <laughs> or a
3: book one. podcast. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> what made 2020 great for me was introducing my friends um, to K-dramas and getting to see them experience the fun of falling in love with drama watching. Uh, I watched Crash Landing on You at the beginning of the year. Um, At that point, I had been in a little bit of a K-drama slump, and so that helped to bring me out. I laughed and I cried, and it was such a cathartic experience. Um, So I had my friends watch it and they just fell in love too. Um, Then I had them watch Come and Hug Me since that was a drama that had always stayed with me um, because it's got such a great plot and the actors are fantastic. Um, And actually, I just finished binge watching um, Come and Hug Me again for like the fourth or fifth time with my sister. She and I had watched a couple of K-dramas back in 2013, but that was the last time she'd ever seen a drama. So it was really fun getting to share in that kind of experience um, with her all over again. I realized that uh, what hooked my friends um, into watching uh, dramas was also what got me. It was, you know, getting to the heart of it and seeing the little bits of wisdom or humanity that they reveal even when the drama is just so fantastical and so unlike real life Uh, both of my friends that watched crash landing on you told me that what resonated with them was the quote about life that sometimes the wrong train takes you to the right station Uh, as a side note i also got both my friends to watch i'm not a robot and fall in love with you Ho, just like i did so that was good Uh, But overall, this has been a really good year for K-drama watching and I'm excited to see what next year has in store.
2: Our faithful Yak, who's been our good companion these last few years, is back to dish out his awards. Yes. And he doesn't give them lightly, we can tell you that.
0: Mm. (laughs) No. But before we get into the uh, Gogomot Awards, Borma, do you want to give your thoughts on the year? next oh yeah uh, <laughs> sorry did not mean to exclude you so i was like well i
2: gave
1: my
4: thoughts on the year that's enough that's let's enough move on
1: everyone <laughs> you've said the final word <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I appreciated the proliferation of fantasy romances kind of, but just fantasy in drama land. and the production value in general seems to have gone up a lot this year. So um, I was just really, I, I watched a lot of dramas this year, guys. I was counting all the dramas actually completed and I completed 22 and I'm still wow. watching about <laughs> seven that I I'm meant so to finish. so impressed. That's impressive. I yeah. just I I just I just did not read any books this year. I di- I read a few books in with in, in, in Audible, like as audiobooks, but actual reading there was none. So I whenever I walked my dog, I was listening to some books. When I came back and I had an evening off, I was watching dramas. And then I was working. That was my entire year. <laughs> so, you know, productivity hacks for watching dramas. I got them down.
0: <laughs> Don't read. Yeah, I think for me, it's interesting because like there have been a lot of supernatural and like uh, sci fi fantasy stuff this year and I don't think I hardly watched any of it and i think we were discussing this off the record but i think the three of us watched really different stuff this year yeah um so it's been an interesting year because there's not a lot of stuff that we actually mm. have in common that we you know completed to the end but uh, mm. i think for me the year was full of extremes so like extremely good shows and extremely disappointing shows and oh, yeah. <laughs> like very satisfying shows and shows that were like Bans. really upsetting and yeah like had terrible endings (laughs) so that was weird there wasn't there wasn't really a lot in between that was just kind of okay for at least in the stuff that I watched and obviously that's you know my own experience but yeah but i think it fits in with the extremes of 2020 outside of drama land too
1: that's true I mean, towards the end of this podcast we're gonna be talking about our top threes and the dramas that we narrowed them down to i didn't really have to struggle with them those are pretty much it <laughs> i couldn't think <laughs> of any other dramas that were completely good <laughs> all of them like from the beginning to the end so that i had finished i mean there are great dramas that i did not finish on time but we'll get into that as well for sure yeah
2: <laughs> Yeah, you were talking about the number of dramas we watched. I forgot to um, add that I basically haven't watched, like this has probably been the fewest I've watched in a year since I started watching K-dramas and I barely broke 10. (gasps) Exactly. Isn't that crazy? I didn't even, like, I think maybe 11 and I pushed myself to finish one show because I really wanted to talk about it for this because it's like my best show of the year. But yeah, otherwise I wouldn't have broken
0: 10. It's been a busy year. (laughs) I didn't count exactly, but I think I watched between like 14 and 16. But I feel weird about it because (sighs) I had so much more time. I mean, not until after I finished my thesis. Like before my defense, I was really busy. And then in the whole spring was taken over by the COVID Translate project that I did, where I was helping to translate documents from the Korean CDC into English because our government was completely... A failure in every way and we were like let's provide this information to people we were going to do one document we ended up doing like 10 or 14 yeah i never want to read like medical jargon in another language <laughs> again
1: <laughs> it's, really, it's really
0: tough but yeah so that took a lot of time and then i was just like i'm so tired i don't even have energy to watch dramas like i find mm-hmm. when i'm really stressed um, I can't watch narrative stuff. I need to. Mm. I need to watch like variety. Needs too much brain power. Yeah. yeah, especially with K drama, you need like a few episodes to get set up, and then you need like some time to like get to know mm. the characters. It's, and it really engages your emotions, so it's a intense viewing experience. It's not like a movie. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, I just didn't watch as much as I could. And have. I
2: think after all this time, it has become work. You have to sort of mentally get yourself into the zone, especially with like the better the show is, the more in the zone I have to get. Because mm. I need to make my notes. I need to think about whether I want to write a review. I need to make sure I'm prepared for a yak. And and then it all starts getting a bit overwhelming. And you're just like, you know what? I'm just going to go and watch... Dash and Lily or something like that. <laughs> and I actually watched a lot more English stuff this year, which is, well, that's been a little weird for me as well, because I haven't watched this much English language stuff in
1: years, but I watched quite a lot this year. Ah, uh, see, that's the other trick. I have watched literally nothing but Korean drama. Through- <laughs> There's so many good Netflix series. I think the only two other things that I can definitely tell you that I watched, one was Queen's Gambit which i just had to watch and the other one was bridgerton which i was looking forward to (laughs) and just came out (laughs) and guys if anyone's curious it's 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 exactly like the books but more dramatic and the characters have more i i really liked it but it's it's not safe for work (laughs) so yeah (laughs) That's a good warning to have. Actually,
0: I watched a lot of stuff with my family this year, which means that, like, whether they were Korean dramas or not, so then I would it would be like we had to wait for a time when everyone was available to sit down and watch it. So, of course, you know, that ends up making your watch a bit slower, but I think it was also more fun. So, like, I watched Dodo, So Sol, La, La, Soul with my family, which was really fun until it was not. <laughs> and then uh, we watched Avatar The Last Airbender yes, for the finally. first time, which was... <laughs> Probably the most fun watching experience of 2020 hands down. So I agree. Yeah. Watched a lot of other things. We watched The Crown. And then I was asking Saya and some of our other British friends. (laughs) I was like, is this a big thing? And like, what do you guys think about this? Do you care about it?
2: The whole country cares about it, but not me. But then that sent me off into a spiral of watching all of this like Princess Diana stuff. And it was really, it's strange how much grief you can feel for something you have no connection to at all. Mm. Just because you follow them through their lives in in sort of visually emotions are real even if the Mm -hmm. stories aren't what you Mm -hmm. feel about i mean in princess diana's case that was real too yeah but um it's an interesting statement about how stories affect us in general
5: hi guys so i've learned that you can't really escape bad things in life so I don't make it my mission to avoid bad things. I just try as hard as I can to, sor- to surround myself with people and things that bring me joy in the middle of the crazy. That's why Miss It Pop Bar was my top comfort drama this year. They were all going through things, but what made it bearable was that they were all rooting for one another in the thick of it. Another drama that brought me a great deal of comfort was Hospital playlists. Playlist, and again, it was all about the friendship, friendships and having people who root for you and stand by you when you're going through it. They had the sort of friendships I want to have in my 40s, where people know you well enough to give you space when you need it and to also come over when you're in a funk and don't really want to talk to people and somehow manage to get you out of, out of your funk. I think that's pretty cool. So yeah, those two were my top two comfort dramas and they really did make 2020 better for me.
0: So, in this year, Endiac, we're already on our second annual Kokuma Awards, which sounds so official. (laughs) It's exciting. (laughs) Um, We did them for the first time last year, and this is kind of, if you didn't hear those, it's kind of like a... It's not the, you know, typical, we didn't, we're not doing like the best drama, best actor, best actress stuff because we feel like that's, it's hard to choose one and it's also kind of arbitrary. Um, but we wanted to do some like more interesting categories. Some of them are silly, some are not, <laughs> which you'll see when we get to them. Um, and we'll just kind of bring up what we thought was really good in that category this year. Um, and then we'll kind of as a group decide which one we feel deserves the award.
2: It's basically what we wanted to talk about, cut into award slices. Yes, pretty basically. much. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and in terms of which dramas we're considering 2020 dramas, it's um, basically from Woman of 9.9 billion won until Penthouse. Mm, Birthcare Centre, I think. Birthcare Centre, yeah. So like stuff that finished, so we're including some stuff that started in 2019, finished in 2020 that we didn't get to talk about last year, and then we're also not including stuff that's so new that we can't really talk yeah. about
1: it. Especially if it's still airing or if it's going to finish after we (laughs) finish recording, it's not included.
2: So when when we were putting this whole list together, we compared our watch lists. Actually, we combined our watch lists and we found that we didn't have a lot of crossover. There were three shows we all watched this year. So earliest in the year was Crash Landing on You, which all of us watched and we've covered it quite uh, in depth in previous EX where we talked about it. We watched When the Weather is Fine. I think that was sort of around springtime, wasn't it? it was this was airing when the COVID spring. stuff. Yeah, yeah basically was, March. Yeah. I remember it being on in March. Yes. <laughs> um, and then more recently 18 again we all watched it but not at the same time no so that's that's the grand total of all of the dramas that all of us watched and I think the the lack of commonality is somewhat reflected in our award choices and stuff so bear that in mind you know every year you get people not perhaps on the podcast but elsewhere where we've um, written reviews and stuff you get people saying oh why didn't you give this a, uh, an award or why didn't you mention that one and you're like we didn't watch everything
0: <laughs> it's not because the drama is not deserving it's just you know we Time is not everything. unlimited. Yes. Yeah. Time and energy and brain space. Yeah. Yes.
1: And also, also this is this is not uh, an institution award. It's just our <laughs> personal watch list that yeah. we are ranking by preference. That's it, it's guys. It's extremely subjective.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that and I think at this point we we Don't force ourselves to watch stuff we're not interested in. We'll watch it only if we want to. And half the time, the stuff we want to, we don't get around to.
0: So that's also (laughs) a thing that dogs are watching live. (laughs) Um, And I think uh, now that we've all learned to drop bad dramas, we don't really necessarily tend to talk as much about things that we didn't like unless... (laughs) Unless we really didn't like it. (laughs) Yeah, or like they betray us (laughs) right at the end. Like they're really good and then they betray us right at the end. So, because like now we're just like, eh, whatever, I'm not finishing this. And then I don't know about you two, but I don't really feel good about dissing something that I didn't finish.
2: Oh, I have no problem dissing something. If I didn't finish it, but the part that I finished was dissable, I will diss it. Like, I didn't finish
0: Backstreet Rookie. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you know what? That's right. I mean, you can diss the part that you saw, is what I'm saying. Exactly. You can't make a definitive judgment on the whole thing. Like, I remember that uh, Mellow that I thought was a rom com when I first started. Starring Kim Suna and yeah, where we like year, the dog has cancer, yeah. and then we find out like he has ca- the man has cancer, and then much like cancer, and then the, like her child was killed in the past, and he's oh somehow connected to that. Like it was so upsetting, it was so, yeah. ba- and it was so funny in the beginning. <laughs> so yeah, I definitely did that one on the podcast. I'm sorry, that was a total tangent. Uh,
2: again, a slight tangent because um we've passed this part, but I'm going back to it. I'm sorry. I think another thing that came up a lot this year was like romantic melodramas. I did not watch a single one, but there were a lot of them and just melodramas in general. It seems like there were more this year than there usually were.
1: Oh, is ah, oh. I can't grammar anymore. Excuse me. <laughs> no, there definitely was, especially like the whole, you know, the revenge type melodramas. We, we got quite a few of them this year. I don't think I watched a single yeah, one. Yeah, I think that will
0: not
2: show up in our list because I don't think any of us watched them. There's only so much mellow you can take in a real-life
0: mellow year, right? Yeah, I agree. I mean, this was not the year for Muk yeah. in my life. I
1: mean, I might have watched it if it was something like Graceful Family or like... Uh, you know the last empress which is just it's not it's not it's like nuts not not <laughs> quite mukjang it's kind of like <laughs> oh no that was pure mukjang that was crazy no, we but we gave it that we though. gave
0: those two the Jung award last year right <laughs> right oh yeah
2: and we ditched that category this year because, because we didn't really was, have anything because yeah. there was yeah. Like that. yeah
0: I don't know if that's because we didn't watch it I feel like if it was on that level we would have heard about it even if we weren't mm. watching it well maybe our listeners
2: can tell us if there's something that was extremely crackjangy that we didn't get to
0: Yes. Though so I think you have to know. be in
2: the moment for those as well. Like, if you don't get it in its moment, like, for example, I don't know if Zombie Detective counts, but that sounds like something that in its moment was just. I didn't watch it, but it sounded People like were it loving was it. nuts. Yeah.
1: I think at one point Choe Jin-hook was doing like K-pop dances and that just was like meme world exploded.
0: Once you involve K-pop in any way, it just it becomes a large presence on the internet. And we are all K-pop dancers. Yes. I mean, um, I am. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> only in the privacy of my own closet. <laughs> I think you need to take this first category, Saya.
2: I feel like we've sort of introduced this already when I was observing the the big trend of the year. So we want to start with talking about the best uh, sci-fi fantasy concept in dramas. But also, I want to start off this discussion by saying that there's always two parts to judging a drama like this. There's, like, the concept... And then there's the execution of the concept because we had a lot of dramas in the pool for this because there were a lot of supernatural dramas this year and some of them had really amazing concepts but the execution didn't always match. Um, And then you had some that had quite simple concepts. It was a fantasy concept, but it was quite simple. It didn't work too hard to explain itself. It just sort of did its thing. And then the resulting drama was, you know, it was whatever it was. But to have that sort of marriage of a great concept with an excellent execution, that takes an extra level of work and i don't think a lot of dramas did that this year i'm just going to throw out a few names of the dramas that we've got under the the umbrella of this category which are not necessarily contenders but just so you have an idea of of the spread of shows so we had the king we had alice we had train memorist mystic pop-up bar the game towards zero 365 repeat the year 18 again kairos tale of the nine-tailed then there was the um, sf8 anthology so there's quite a big spread there in genre, even if they all
0: are covered with that supernatural concept.
2: But not everything deserved... Deserves more than a passing mention.
0: No, I mean, I have strong opinions, but I actually didn't watch a lot of these.
2: I feel like there's an obvious winner, but yeah, give your opinions first.
0: So out of these, I only watched 18 again, Mystic Pop-Up Bar, 365, and uh, Kairos. And I actually think in terms of like supernatural stuff, all of them were really good dramas. I think 365 was not as strong, maybe, Um, although I really enjoyed watching it. Probably my favorite was Kairos in terms of just from a pure like science fiction fantasy perspective. I just really loved how they executed the different timelines and the directing was really great. The editing was really on point. The writing was it was just really, really well done. And I also think that Mystic Pop-Up Bar is kind of underrated because it was a pretty simple concept, but it was so well executed. It was so fun it was such a joy to watch at such a miserable time of the year that um, I just really want to give it a shout out because that was great. It was like, it made me cry. It was like very touching. It was very funny. So yeah, and 18 again, we've talked about a lot. It's, it was lovely the whole way through. So I actually liked all the ones that I actually finished. The King, I watched
1: two episodes and, and noped out. So, um, but I've talked enough about that. So I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> In terms of uh, memorable world building, I think for me, Mystic Pop-Up Bar and uh, Tale of the 90s stood out the most because the rest of them were more high concept. And like while time traveling and parallel universes are, of course, always like super mind bendy, they're super hard to land eventually. And that's what kind of hobbled both uh, the King and Alice, as far as I'm concerned. Stuff like Memorist and... Um, I didn't watch much of the game, so I can't really talk about that. But for instance, uh, memories the problem there was more plot pacing. The supernatural aspect of it was actually pretty cool. With just better writing, it probably would have been an incredible drama but uh yeah i'm just focusing on world building my favorites were mystic pop bar and tale of the 9 i'm really enjoying kairos for the tension that it's creating but i have just watched two episodes so i'm not sure uh about it as yet
0: yeah. I just want to give Kairos a shout out for having a really satisfying ending and for never making me go, what? <laughs> like, you know, like with a lot of these types of, especially I find with time travel, because it's so hard to pull off in a way that makes sense, but it was like consistent with its own rules. Um, it was twisty and bendy and enough to be interesting without like ever losing the viewer or making you like confused, not able to keep up. And then like, The villains were extremely interesting and well done. Like there's some, a lot of elements in the beginning, I remember reading comments that were like, this is really predictable. And I was like, in a way it is, but I don't care because it's so well done. And it's like, you know, when something knows exactly what it's doing and it does it really well, even if maybe some of those elements, you can see them coming, they're still so enjoyable. So
2: yeah. I know we've dissed the King a lot, but the concept of it was really good and I feel like this was a drama that was weaker in its first half and then it had like a stretch in the middle where it was really, really great and it maximized. <laughs> it maximized? <laughs> maximized. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do that every time we talk about the show. I'm just telling you It maximized its... Concept, but the problem is that it came quite late in the show. And while it did all of that, once it got to the very end, can kind of drop the ball again. So that made it a little bit disappointing. So it definitely isn't a winner. I did enjoy it all the way through, I have to say. But I'm also, I think, a little bit more patient when, like, I'm easily seduced by like a high production value. And when things get a bit kingly and dark, and you know, sometimes I have no discernment, and I can't really explain why I have that. In some shows and not others. So Alice had this great concept and when it the the way that it started was really strong. And then it kind of, it lost itself in the middle and it sort of strung you along. And I feel like it didn't know where it wanted to go. And we don't need to dwell on it, but there was a lot of, there was a negative response to the way that they sort of seemed to flirt with the idea of making this faux mother-son thing semi-romantic in a way that squicked people out and like i personally didn't feel that because maybe that was i just watched it differently but it didn't help that they changed the focus of the show seemingly for fan service reasons which were i don't know weird not fan service maybe <laughs> ppl or i don't know
1: anyway i don't know what i'm saying anyway. no i <laughs> completely agree with you i think the the drama lost me when it started to suddenly focus on romance instead of just being a mind bendy time bendy thing
2: Right. It sort of reneged on its concept and yeah. that didn't work. And I think I'm also maybe the only person in the world who really enjoyed the game towards Zero. But it's, again, it was one of those low-key kind of watches. It was the way I watched it. It was quite a pensive kind of drama that it did uh, use its concept really well, but it was also, it was quite slow moving. And I probably watched it at a time that worked. I thought 365 was really good though, but the ending, the like the very, very end ending that was a bit weak and then the villain was kind of odd too much smirking and not enough reason so i'm actually building up to saying that the two episodes of kairos that i watched and anisa's um final thoughts convinced me that there's only one drama that deserves the award this year and that is kairos
0: I didn't think you would say that. I thought you were going to be like, 18 again until death. (laughs) (laughs) See, I don't, I mean,
2: even though it had that concept, like I said, that it it had the concept as a sort of an entry into its world, but it, it also, it wasn't about that if that makes sense. Mm. Whereas Kairos is really, uh, you know, I'm a thriller lover. <laughs> and it's like,
0: it's like, a, you know, signals next door neighbor, practically. Yeah, it's not on signals level, but it's really, really good. It's Not quite on signals level. What is? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is exactly. Hi, everyone. This is
6: Jimmy, also known as Greenfield. I think just because I had so much extra time to be watching dramas, thanks to the lockdown and the pandemic, I expanded the scope of what I was watching beyond just Korean dramas this year and watched a lot of Japanese, Taiwanese, Thai, Chinese, even some Filipino shows. And I would say that three themes really, really stood out. The sad stuff, the dystopian stuff. And funnily enough, the BL stuff. Don't even ask me how I got into BL. But the sad stuff, I think the very best show I watched was Someday or One Day. It's Taiwanese about a girl. Well, it begins with the premise of a girl who has lost her longtime boyfriend. But it's actually a time-traveling drama. It's very, very, very beautiful. Very cruel, cool, Very touching. If you want something heavy, <laughs> if you're able to bear it, this is the one. For the dystopian stuff, the show I really recommend is Alice in Borderland. It's such a thrilling ride. Okay, Japan, well done there. And for the BL, I watched a whole lot of shows past, you know, from I think 2016, 2017, all the way to 2020. And some of my favorites were probably Cherry Magic, uh, where the main couple is great, but I don't have an absolute, I don't place it at absolute number one because I didn't like the side couple too much. but I told Sunset About You is, I think, the one that I would place at number one. It's uh, Maybe it's not even a VL, but it's a, just a, such a lovely show. I, I don't know. It's a nice show. And yeah, that's it. I think at the moment, I'm watching three Korean shows. So, you know, I'm back out of my K-Drama slump. The Uncanny Counter, Run On, and Mr. Queen. And of these three, if anyone wants to watch a live show, please watch Mr. Queen. Totally worth it the time in my opinion so yeah that's me happy new year everyone may 2021 be an amazing year for you
0: so let's go from that positive note to um not a not good note which is <laughs> <laughs> the biggest waste and that's of talent of money
1: of time
0: i think you should say this one Parma, since you finished it yeah
1: record of youth what what a colossal waste I just, I'm, um, yeah, I get angry every time I think about it, and that I actually finished it. I get even angrier when I think about that. <laughs> <laughs> this category started off as like biggest
2: waste of talent, and then it just. The more I thought about it, I was like, but it wasn't just talent; it was just an all-round waste of everything. Mm-hmm. So that's why the category became the biggest. Waste. Like, what even was it? You, ha- <sighs> it was just people being pretty and. <laughs> You're like, okay, you're pretty. I get it. But like then I would have forgiven it if it had ended. And this is a spoiler, everybody. So if you don't want to hear it, um, skip forward like 30 seconds or something. I would have forgiven it if it had stuck to its ending of having them break up and just go their separate ways. Instead, they like bring them back together at the end. This relationship that nobody wants. They don't want it. We don't want it. Everyone is terrible for each other. And they decided that that would be a good ending for them to meet again and literally start at the beginning again. I mean, you're talking about pretty Noona levels. I was just going to
0: say, that sounds like pretty Noona.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why are you doing this? I actually was 100% okay with that ending. And I was ready for it to be like, you know, this is good. They, They cannot have a relationship because they don't know how to have a relationship. The best ending for them is to go their own ways Mm. and become their own people. There would have been a point then. Yeah. But But we just came full circle on a drama that had nothing to say to begin with and ended up with like even less to say, except that that last 16, it was even more than 16 hours, but the last 16 episodes that you spent with these people were a total waste. Okay, I'm trying to save your voice, Boroma, but let, I hope I've channeled your age. <laughs> you
1: have,
2: exactly. is <laughs> recording with a, uh, a sore throat, a very sore throat, and we're trying to save her by um <laughs> by doing the talking and...
0: Yeah, as much so, as I So we're not outrage. cutting her out, we're just we're <laughs> yes. just trying to... <laughs> if you're wondering why she's a little quieter today. <laughs> yeah.
1: But yeah, feel free to add. I mean, just... It makes me angry to think about Park So I actually think that Park Bogam's character had it didn't. He didn't exactly have an arc, but it was enjoyable to watch him achieve fame because it actually pretty closely mirrored how his actual fame came about. And I didn't think that, that was un- deliberate. feel uncomfortable to you? It though? did feel uncomfortable. I found that really
2: uncomfortable. The way it felt, sort of almost autobiographical.
1: Yeah, and and certain things about his family and certain experiences, um, I. I got the sense that they were taken from real life incidences and that made me really uncomfortable. But at least, you know, you got some satisfaction out of, hey, he eventually got the fame that he worked so hard for. But everything else was such trash. The arc with his dad was unsatisfactory. I mean, his, his young was actually pretty great throughout. But again, there is no arc there. He just, he was, he's the same guy at the beginning to the end. It's no character developed in any way. And his friend, the... Uh, competition, the other guy. What's his name? Yeah, that oh. guy. We, we, I've expunged everyone from No, my I, mind. I, I I love how his art ends with him telling his mom, I have just hey, accepted hey oh. that oh yeah. <laughs> hey hey yo. Oh. I have just accepted that I'm privileged and that's just one of my strengths. I wanted to slap him. What? That is your realization? <laughs> what did you realize before? What was your starting point? That's not a realization. That's a villain backstory. <laughs> <laughs> And Anjana just, I don't even know what she She made no sense at any point. Pretty much.
2: She really was just a complete cipher in the, like a non-character who just existed to, I don't know,
0: drop quips. Yeah, I only watched episode 9, so I just... Only.
1: Yeah. (laughs) At least we saved you from the rest. (laughs) Yeah. There is no no development that happens beyond 9. I think you could have stopped at 4 and seen the entire drama. All the character development there was ever going to happen. I really like (laughs) Anjonga when she was still in the fangirl stage. The moment she got out of that fangirl stage after one drink with her stan. After that, she just became a non-character. Anyway, yeah. I don't think we should waste, like, good podcast minutes on, on this crap-ass <laughs> drama. But you know what we're moving on to? <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> oh, the next category is actually, um, it starts, ragey ends good, right? So bad
1: start, good ending. So we have two contenders in this category. One is peace of your mind and the other is forest. And... Uh, I feel like everyone is screaming at us that Forrest did not have a good ending, but carry on. Uh, so here's, uh, that's what I kind of assumed because the first two episodes were such trash fire. I I felt literal physical pain watching it. I mean, my <laughs> eyes hurt. And I love Park I just I couldn't watch Condé in turn after watching this stupid-ass drama because I just needed a break from Park Agent. It was that bad. However, with peace of your mind... um. So the drama did this thing where, for one thing, it truncated its length. It was supposed to be a 16-episode drama. I think it became like a 12-episode drama. Um, and the other thing it did was that it completely dropped its initial dumbass premise. And that was a good decision. So the story eventually ended up being at least tolerable. And some people really enjoyed the ending because it focused more on the romance and actual character development instead of just man sad over x and just, yeah, that and and some other stuff that happened in the... It was just so bad. It, the, uh, just, just so bad initially. Yeah, that's about it. I don't really have anything more to say about these two dramas. They don't really merit anymore. <laughs>
0: We'll right. redeem Puckhidgeon later. All right. Okay. The next one is also Ragey. <laughs> let's
2: get get all our rage out in one. Yeah, thing. let's just get it <laughs> o- done
0: and, and expelled and then we'll move on to things that we love. So this one is called Stupid at the Last Second. Uh, <laughs> you can probably guess, but um <laughs> should we take turns saying the names? <laughs> well, why don't we talk about the others before we get to the obvious winner? <laughs> okay. So the first uh, one is When the Weather is Fine, which is one of the rare ones that we actually all watched. I think we talked about this on the podcast, but we were just really not happy with the way that the relationship resolved at the end. And like, this is spoilers, but we just felt like the male lead got treated really terribly by the female lead. And then they were like, this is romantic,
1: right? Right? Everyone's happy. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. It, 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 it was, they basically set up the beginning of a really abusive relationship and... Mm-hmm that that was your happy ending and just I can't believe that when the weather is fine a drama that felt so warm when it started at a time when we really needed warmth ended with that yeah
2: Mm. and it didn't just treat the main character badly in its conclusion it treated every character badly in its conclusion more or less apart from IJook and the cute girl whose name I don't remember they were the only two
1: yeah and then we have Alice which is just, you know, initially, I think it was the first five episodes, I was really enjoying myself. I was like, hey, here is a drama, doesn't have anything eight to do episodes. with romance. Really? Yeah. For me, it was yeah, the we, first we, five. Yeah, at episode eight, both of us were like, this is really good.
2: I remember <laughs> we talked about it on a
1: yak. And I was like, this this is so good. I mean, it's like super... I mean, you, you love this thing, right? Where you, the father and the son are meeting and they are kind of like kicking each other's ass because they don't know that they are... It's it's very Luke and Darth Vader. It's, it's something mm-hmm. that we get. And there is this whole, how does time travel even function in this world? I mean, you had a lot of curiosity about the world building that was like driving the mystery and the tension. And then it just became a mellow and i just wanted to stab the characters in the drama and oh my god and the ending was just you know i would have been fine if they hadn't done that final scene somewhat fine i wouldn't have been angry it just if they hadn't done that final scene why why really he the entire thing changed he's in a parallel universe pretty much but he still remembers her how is this a thing? How is this for you're you're breaking the rules you created in your own.
2: <sighs> I lost my voice. And basically, oh, I'll take over. Don't worry. Basically, that's oh. um the same problem that Train has. I think honestly, it's the same problem that all of the parallel world dramas had this year, which is that the thing with Alice is it tried to it mixed these two um co- conceits like the time travel and the parallel worlds, and it mixed it without. Uh, establishing its rules properly and so it, it worked itself into tangles that it could not then untangle. Whereas with Train, with Train they had a pretty solid world building in its uh, parallel world rules but then it went and had this, again it was that last scene, it was that ending and you're just like, why? Why did you? <laughs> they, they don't hold true to the show that you've watched and the characters that you've followed and I think that's what makes it difficult for you to stay emotionally moored. To it because you don't feel like you're with the same characters and you're like I went through the journey of the show with these characters I am okay if they die I am okay if we never see them again I will be upset but I get it but when you bring back like um facsimiles of the characters and tell us these are the characters that you followed I feel like you're trying to you know hoodwink me don't do that to me and that's what both of those shows did mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> speaking of being hoodwinked Let's yes. move on to uh, <laughs> Dodo, So so La, Sol, which I kind of feel like I have to apologize for this one because I, I watched four episodes and then I wrote this like long, I told these two, I was like, I'm just going to write something quick for the blog, maybe like, 500 words about dodo because it's really cute and fun and i'm liking it a lot and then i wrote like two thousand words <laughs> and i just and i think i got Boroma into it um it was so good yeah. for 12 episodes and it just like drove itself off a cliff and it drove us all off the cliff with it so i blame you alisa yeah. i
1: would never have started this we hadn't <laughs> written that blog post <laughs> i was like this Sorry. this reads so
2: good i have to watch this now but you know, you wouldn't have been so upset if you hadn't loved it so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's and this is similar like the think about the shows that we feel really strongly about, like negatively, like for example, Pretty Nuna. Part of the reason why you feel so strongly is because in uh in a sense the show has betrayed you. It broke its contract with you. You have, you know, taken A certain show and you've given it your heart you open your heart to it and you're you trust the writers and it breaks your trust Mm -hmm. and when a show does that it's very difficult to forgive it and I think it's unreasonable to to be asked to be forgiven if it's a mediocre show with a bad ending that's different but if you're like this is a fantastic show there's an obvious conclusion and somehow you manage to sort of turn left how do you do that exactly why do you do that like what made you take that decision to do that and that's what makes the rage come
0: I was editing the yak that we recorded when we had only watched up to episode 12, and it was kind of painful to listen to us gushing about how much we loved it after having finished watching the whole thing and i was just like no you don't know what's coming and, and then i Anissa ended up like, like
1: yeah we have to record an intro and warn people that like don't take us seriously when we gush." yeah i yeah
0: because i didn't want people to listen to that and be like hey this is a good show i'm gonna go watch it and then it would be our fault so yeah sorry if you ended up starting that show because of us and you fell off the cliff with us too That's all
5: Okay
7: guys, so I have some favorite moments that get me through um, the ridiculousness of life right now. When I'm watching k dramas, what I love are several things. I love it when somebody holds their fist, like makes a fist because they're so frustrated, but they can't say anything. I just love it. I like throw my head back and go, the fist, yes! I also love it when people are at an, in, at an intersection and they see it and there's a big truck coming. I'm like, is somebody going to die? Somebody's going to get hit by a car. And it's like, I'm happy yet. Like, of course, sad a little bit when it happens. But it's like, is it going to happen? They're at a crosswalk. Is somebody getting into an accident? I think about that. I really enjoy um, when somebody is driving and they get some vital piece of information and they're forced to do a, a U-turn because they have to go get their man or their love interest or their woman or their child or, you know, they've found they got to go catch the killer something like that you know I love those moments I also love it when people are you next to the person that they're interested in and the person that they're interested in falls asleep and they like gently like just you know touch their head and just push their head a little bit so their head like lies on their shoulder to make that other person comfortable I love those moments like oh it's so cute I like it when people watch their love interest while they're sleeping that makes me so happy and I also love the pat when somebody is hugging somebody because they've had like a really hard day or had a really trying experience and they pat them in a very like one pat, two pat, three pat. pat, like a very slow caressing pat that like kind of synchronizes with a heartbeat. So I'm sure that it's very like caressing and like soothing. So I love that. Whenever I see like I, I immediately feel a little bit soothed myself. And my final favorite is of course, the Tango dip into love when somebody falls over and they fall into the arms of of a potential love interest. And I thought Startup was great when they did it in the reverse where the guy fell onto the girl. That's it, thanks guys, bye.
0: Okay, so in keeping with the rage theme, uh... Our next category is Racist Drama Most Vigorously Defended. There's only one nominee for that. There's only <laughs> one <laughs> winner. It is Backstreet <laughs> Rookie. If you want to know why, you can Spoiler. go and listen to our Representation <laughs> and Drama Land episode of part one. Read my essay. <laughs> yeah, definitely read Saya's essay if you haven't yet about uh, diversity in Drama Land and racial and ethnic stereotypes. It's amazing. We've talked about this a lot this year. And there's a lot to say, but I don't think we necessarily need to go there again, except that uh, we couldn't let that go at the end of 2020 without calling it out because it deserves to be called out vigorously.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Jinx. <laughs> that about sums it up. That's <laughs> I.
1: Or am I, you should do the next one. Okay. So the next one is finally a happy one. It's our best comfort drama with no external conflict. And honestly, there's really just one contender here, which is Hospital Playlist. Are there villains? They make you think there are and then they're like, no, no, they're good people after all. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) everybody's good. (laughs) And yeah, honestly, I I really like this drama. It was just it was just sweet and warm and everybody was nice. And you rarely have dramas that are, you know, about all good people. And it's still interesting. And Hospital Playlist, season one. Good job. (laughs) So a couple of days ago we hosted a
2: an online sort of tea party, which was called the Act Tea, and we asked all of our guests, to share with us their favorite comfort drama of the year. And the, like the drama, there, there was one drama that kind of dominated everyone's choice. And though I haven't watched it, and you two have, I, I wanted it to get its shout out because if comfort is what we're after, you know, the more the better, right? So the drama that they chose, uh, like, overwhelmingly was Mystic Pop-Up Bar. So I think if you want more than one comfort drama, go there too. Yeah.
0: It wasn't, like, without conflict the way the hospital playlist
1: mm. was. But I absolutely agree that it was a comfort drama for me as well. And I resent that when the weather is fine, would have totally been in this list if not for mm, then. Yeah,
0: yeah, it would have. In the beginning, it was very, very comforting. It was like right at the beginning of quarantine. Yeah, um, it felt like a sitting down with a warm cup of hot chocolate every time we watched it. Yeah,
2: the characters of the dramas felt like your friends and.
0: Yeah. And you know what is a weird one, but it's to- it was totally a comfort drama for me? It was Stranger Season 2 because mm. it's not a comforting subject. But in 2020, in the height of like Everything that happened this summer, especially in in my country with, you know, like people out on the street protesting the um, police brutality and racism that somehow even coronavirus not only didn't even slow down, but it somehow exacerbated in really upsetting ways. Um, And like the way this movement just took off this year in a way that I've never seen before in such a mainstream way, Um, having Forest of Secrets 2 and like also known as stranger to come in August and just kind of put a face and, uh, and words to so many of the feelings that I was feeling. I think a lot of us were feeling about like the institutions that have let us down so badly and how they work to, you know, keep certain people down and how these how an individual can actually make a difference while also acknowledging that an individual can't you know save Change us all is it was yeah it was really really comforting just to like see these people doing their jobs and being their amazing, wonderful selves. And then just, yeah, it was just really inspiring and comforting and wonderful.
1: And you need more cops like Beduna, man, the ones who question their colleagues when they are shitty and do awful things.
0: And that kind of just leads us straight into the next category,
1: doesn't it? Because that's
0: best partners.
1: Yeah, I only watched like to the end one of these and that's Hyena and that yeah, totally definite winner. I, I, I don't have to watch Stranger 2 to know that they are amazing. But I mean, I haven't finished it, so I can't.
0: <laughs> What's your pick, Anissa? My pick?
2: Well, I
1: yeah. haven't
0: seen Good Detective. Um, I know that's your nomination, but I I don't know, I have a hard time choosing between hyena and Stranger 2 because it's such a different dynamic. Mm, like true. hyena is it's almost antagonistic, but it's also like So good You know like it's like riveting And the chemistry is on fire And like they hate each other But they love each other And they like can't live without each other But they also can't let the other person win And yeah, um, it's just really really great And it's so entertaining to watch And maybe I'll pick Hyena Just because we do see them together so much more Whereas in Stranger 2 Every moment that Shimok and Yojin have together Is like amazing But they don't spend very long together Mm. In terms of runtime, so maybe I, yeah, maybe I'll give it to hyena. Mm,
2: that's exactly the reason I was going to say Stranger Two as
1: well. They yeah. just didn't spend enough time together in the season. If the, if this was a, a going up against Stranger One, then yeah, absolutely, hands down.
0: Yeah, in twenty seventeen, it would have been Stranger One. Yeah, I didn't watch hyena, so that. I think we can be allowed to
2: have our individual pictures. Absolutely. Picks so I'm going to go with um, Anissa spoiled it, but I'm going to say it like it's suspenseful anyway. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, Good Detective for me was, this is the show that I really worked hard to finish. I started it back in July, but by the time that by the time I was free to watch it again, I was just gonna watch it. But when I looked at my notes, I was like, oh, this is kinda deep. Um, maybe I should write a review. And that hamstrung me for another six months. <laughs> I have this half-written review I that feel I've half-written you. twice. <laughs> So I basically re like I started the drama again from the beginning uh, a couple of weeks ago and it's just the partnership between Jung Seung Jo and Sun Hyun Joo is like you guys remember how much I loved Watcher last year right mm-hmm. but the thing with Watcher is that it was it was very cerebral and it had this kind of emotional detachment which worked for the show and I loved but what Good Detective brought was like the total opposite. They're these very different two people. Where, like Sun Hyun is this rugged older detective, and then you have Jang Sung who is this the younger man. Except it seems like the younger man. His role is more what is traditionally you associate with the older one, mm. so he's the calm one, the cool one, the one who you know is more like the uh, yeah yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> the one who is able to sort of put things together and get things done. Whereas uh, Son Hyun is the one who always needs holding back. He's the one who you need to sort of hot, uh, drag word. away from a fight. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. He's not a young hothead. He's
0: an older hothead. <laughs> <laughs>
2: But the great thing about this drama was that it gave all of its characters so much time to sort of to emotionally get into each other's heads but without detracting from the pace of the story so where you would have like there's this great scene early on in the show I think it's maybe episode three or four where they sneak into a building to find some evidence for what they suspect is a murder and they have to wait until daylight before they can find the thing so they're spending this night and it's dark and there's nothing else going on in that scene except the two of them sitting there in the dark talking and it's like this first moment where they were like the brotherhood between them feels like something real and they're vulnerable with each other and they're not like they they don't present these stereotypes of you know the cup stereotype but, but they're actually they're very they're marshmallows i just love them so much i mean i have some quibbles with some of the things that they do in the show because you know law enforcement and all that but they're just Like, on a human level, they were such real characters, and they were people that you could feel, and they were lonely, and I think that's something that really struck a chord this year more than any other, but... It wasn't that they were lonely and wallowing in aloneness. They were lonely and desperate to to sort of find that company. And they found that brotherhood with each other. They found this sort of easy accord. Like, they would talk to each other, but they didn't have to explain each other, if that makes sense. Mm. And that's something to really, you know, appreciate between friends well
0: this has been on my list for a while but now it's like even more emphatically something i want to watch soon
2: yeah and it was funny it was just like their relationship that i don't what is it about male friendships at least fictionalized ones that are so is it because women write them i don't know but <laughs> but there's just something about them that feels really i don't know i can't i don't have words but yeah i i'm always like
0: dead for bromance so no it's 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 like candy for sure
1: yeah but before we move on i just wanted to add that with haina um you got some of that romance between uh, kim hesu and um Jihoon Joo Jihoon right and, I mean yes they were romantic partners and they did have that hate to love going on but they never really hated each other and there was always this intrinsic understanding of each other's motives and just even when uh, you had uh Gyum Yumja Hurting, uh, uh, Yoon Hee, I'm sorry. I keep forgetting his name. He gives her the benefit of the doubt because almost instinctively he knows that she's not doing it for a bad reason. They keep challenging each other throughout the drama, which is something that I really liked. And neither takes the other for granted, and neither underestimates the other. So it was just, it was so good because when they were being friendly, it was those precious moments and they were funny together they played off each other really well there was chemistry but also there was that bond of like you know partnership so mm-hmm. all of that stuff is just yeah made, made this pair just just really great to watch together
0: totally agree and even though there was like a romantic part you know sometimes like the romance takes over and everything else in the story just you know <laughs> yeah but it was there but it wasn't really the focus and like that was so good because yeah. the story itself and their connection was
8: so amazing this is Anya. I have a drama that for me sums up this year perfectly, and that's Into the Ring. And the reason why for me it sums up this year is that we have our heroine, uh, Gusera, who just tries to make the best that she, out of her life that she possibly can. Even though she knows that the outcome isn't going to be perfect, um, she continues to try. And not try with a, a sunny, happy disposition, but try with gritty determination. And for me, maybe that's been what this year has been like. You know, I can't change anything, what's going on around me. All I can do is try to make the best of it, possibly with gritty determination. Um, So that's why, for me, this drama sums up the year perfectly. In addition, you get the benefit of probably my favorite OTP of the year in a year that I liked quite a few of them. A childhood connection that was actually deeply moving um, and completely important to the plot. And as a special bonus, the first time ever that I totally adored a boss-secretary relationship. Just watch it, drama of the year.
1: The next category is best OTP that wasn't. (laughs) which basically, you know, the second lead who we all bled for pretty much this year, which is uh, Kim Xon- Ho from startup or Han Ji Pyong. See, here's the thing for me, and I know a lot of people will disagree. I think startup ended exactly as it should have in that um, I think Suzy's character ended up with the, uh, with the correct guy. In that, Han Ji just deserved way, way more. He deserved somebody who saw him for himself and not just as, you know, a, a fantasy, you know, childhood crush situation. And also somebody who saw his current adult version as the really caring, soft-hearted, funny guy that he was. But at no point in the drama did I ever think that... Um, Dalmi, which is Susie's character, ever saw him that way. And I have been finding a lot of these things uh, on the on the net where people are like, objectively, Han Ji Byung is just a better guy than Nam Do San. It doesn't matter because the heart wants what it, doesn't it wants. doesn't work that way. <laughs> so <laughs> Dami going with Nam Do San actually worked. Like if Han Ji Byung wasn't in the scene, I don't think anybody would have, you know, ever said, oh, that romance did not work. It worked. The two of them just worked together. And also, I know that um, Nam Joo Hyuk doesn't have like a, I, I I don't know, like, there are plenty of people who don't like Nam Ji Hyuk's acting. I really like Nam Ji Hyuk. Not, I mean, let's forget the whole Hibik, Habik, the water god debacle. Let's just ignore that. He's a good actor. He proved that this year with the movies he did and the short drama that he did, which is um, School Nurse Files. He's a good actor. He needed the right part. And I think he got the right part at startup. So I'm really happy for him. And again, really happy the way the drama ended. I just wish that the drama had given Han Ji Pyong an alternate romantic line. He deserved one. I hated, hated, hated that he just, spoiler alert, ended up alone at the end of the drama. Don't give me a moment with grandmom telling him, don't be more alone than ever, Ji Pyong No, no, don't do that. Show me that he is going to be Happy, like, have a family, something, because just, no, I, uh, just, why? Hanji Pyong is the most memorable character in that entire drama. I just needed a better ending for him. We all did. Okay, I'm ready to move on now. <laughs> During the Yak tea, we had this game, which... Uh, our listeners may
2: be familiar with from variety shows and stuff you know the acrostic poems where you get someone's name and with each letter you uh form an acrostic which forms a poem one of our guests at the Yakti, natalie wrote a uh, an acrostic poem for kim suno and it was great so i want to share it here goes Okay, guys, I love this actor so much. Since I watched him in Startup, I'm obsessed with everything he's been in and only watched a ton of clips of two days, one night. He is the best, Oppa.
0: <laughs> Amazing <laughs> poem. Amazing poem. Applause. And great. she came up with that in like two minutes. <laughs> it's yeah. great. He's very funny on two days and one night, by the way. I'm
1: watching that. you like can. him. Oh my God. <laughs>
2: He's a good actor who hasn't had a good project until now, I think. agree. Because he's been around for a while. I think I've watched him in at least three other shows. And he's always better than the show. So I'm glad he got his break, finally, this year.
1: You know something that I noticed about this particular drama? The colour correction with this drama, the production value was amazing. But the colour correction with this drama just really made pretty people look I don't even know. Oh, they just looked inhumanly pretty. And Kim so just... I don't know that lips are supposed to be that pink. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, total digression. While we're still on this OTP that wasn't
0: category, I just wanted to give a shout out to... The actor is Hwang in and he plays ja in um 18 again i agree i just Aww, I I my about whole him. Heart. i just wanted yeah. to give him all the good things like i was fine with him not getting the girl but like
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, he's 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 repeating that effect again mm. in True Beauty. Oh. that's why I'm like hesitant to
0: start it cuz my heart is already <laughs> broken, it's going to break again. And he like we've been
2: calling him baby Ejinkey all this time and he like yes. he is. He's an absolute knockoff Ejinkey. As soon as he
0: came on screen, I was like, "Wait, it's yeah. baby Ejinkey." <laughs> I'm in <laughs> 200%. I'm into this drama. <laughs> So oh, cute. yeah, that kid, I mean, he's not even that young, um, but he he's has like twenty nine like, nuclear charisma. <laughs> really? Yeah, Wow.
2: But like, he looks like he's 16, right? Exactly.
1: Yeah, he, like, he's perfect as a high schooler. ej Walk looks older than him. What the heck? And EJ-Wook's Yeah, true. exactly.
9: Yeah. Hi, everyone. I'm Kay Fangirl from the Fangirl Verdict. In terms of how Dramaland has helped me to get through 2020, the first thing I'd like to mention is community. So not actually the dramas themselves, but the people watching the dramas. It was just really nice to have everyone come online and be together virtually. I found that there were people on the blog who were checking in on one another and making sure that everyone was okay. I thought that was really, really nice. And we also made new friends. We had new friends joining the community because they discovered dramas thanks to lockdowns and Netflix. So I thought that was a great silver lining. And in terms of the dramas themselves, I think the dramas that helped me the most in terms of getting through 2020 would be dramas like Hospital Playlist, because they gave me a sense of community vicariously, and also a semblance of normalcy, because as I watch these dramas where life seems normal and warm and nice and you get to see your friends and you get to go to work, it just was very uh, comforting in a time of isolation. And I also wanted to give a special shout-out to Do You Like Brahms? because it has a pair of leads who are strong introverts. And as an introvert myself, I felt seen, I felt accepted, and I felt celebrated for who I am, you know, without being pressured to be more outspoken or more outgoing. So I think that was something that Dramaland gave us introverts this year and it was quite a gift so that was very special
0: so and like in keeping with the 18 again theme our next one is also related to 18 again um (laughs) and this is one of the ones that we've had it's a continuing category from last year which is puppy of the year and uh there's only one puppy (laughs) <laughs> Was that too overexcited? Sorry, let me do that again. There's only one puppy this year. <laughs> oh no, no, we're keeping the first one. You can't get away with that. So who is it? <laughs> there is no competition.
2: I will not name him because he does not need naming. Yeah, Ido Hyun, of course. If in case it wasn't <laughs> obvious from our weekly reviews, and Ido Hyun has no competition. Thank you very much.
1: Yeah, I agree. I th- I'm, <laughs> I'm with you on that. I think this is a good time to mention that he's winning another award as well, because that's how good he is. And <laughs> do you guys want to yes. reveal <laughs> which award it is? So not only is
2: he the puppy of the year, he is also the ajashi of the year. Because, oh god. <laughs> Who else? Yeah, there is no better <laughs> Ajushi than him this year. I think the best exactly. of Ida Hyun was his Ajushiness. Like, there's just yeah. something so great about seeing this kid being this grumpy old man and like you can see it. You can see the ajashi inside him. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I
0: feel like the dad energy was stronger with Idoon than it was with Yoon Sang
10: <laughs> Yeah.
2: I agree. And you know a lot of that is the voice. And I found this so interesting when I was watching one of the variety shows he was in which was Anun Hyungnim. Knowing Brothers. Also known as uh, Man on a Mission. right? And so in that, he actually talks about how that was not his natural voice. Like, he did this exercise which helped him to develop that very low, deep voice. Because, you know, he's got that rumbling. Like, it's a voice that's bigger than he is. Like, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I I feel like part of the reason
0: him getting this role is the voice. Also, um, Yoon Sang-han, like, took... He, like taped his own voice and, and sent him audio files and he like used those to, to practice. And they, and they crafted that character together like they worked together to
2: craft the character of yeah gosh why can't I remember the character I just stop remembering character names after a while but <laughs> you know usually like often you when you're watching a show like that you wonder you know who's um, riffing from who but with mm-hmm. the two of them they had actually sort of constructed this character together so it wasn't that it was based on one or the other of them um, and it was something that the show did so well I, I feel like
1: we have talked about this we did we did when the first six seven episodes had just come out we had done one yak and uh, we had talked about how yeah. seamless the transition between the two was the past and the present yeah and...
0: exactly and it really shows yeah and then we have an unni of the year which can only be unju played by Chu hyun in my unfamiliar family yeah. she is the unni of all unnis like what an amazing character. She is fierce and scary and also loyal and smart and extremely a marshmallow, except she's never going to let anyone know that she actually is a marshmallow and you'll never find out. Um, she's always right and she knows it and she'll tell you to your face. Just I loved her dynamic with Hanieri as Unhi and it was just perfect
1: and... I love how she doesn't change. She just grows, but she remains herself. I love that. She doesn't change. She just grows. That's true. And and we get to know a little more about her, but not too much because she would never lower her walls enough for us to know her wholly. She's yes. just not that person. But yeah, she's always reliable. She's always there. So, uni of the year. We could all wish for such an knee. Exactly.
0: Do none of us have older sisters? Sadly, no. I don't. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. None of us oh, have like weird. actual real... That's, yeah yeah and so as unis ourselves we are
1: very qualified to give this award <laughs> you know them when you see yeah. them right exactly <laughs> okay so now we come to the actual puppy of the year and as much as the drama broke our heart this particular character could never, never let, let you down no <laughs> yes and she is Mimi <laughs> Yes, Mimi from Dodo so so la
0: la so. What an excellent little actor. <laughs> what an excellent little piece of joy. Oh my gosh, she was just brought a smile to our faces every time she came on
1: screen. She did. We all need a piano playing genius dog in our lives. <laughs> With better
0: outfits than all the humans.
1: Oh my gosh. So totally.
2: <laughs> She has better outfits than me. I'm like I'm, I'm, and this is not a high bar by the way, but like <laughs> I look at her clue, and I haven't even watched the drama, but I, I've checked
0: out her, her outfits, and I'm like, that's nice. I want one. She was the best dressed uh, animal of the year, um, but there's a different best dressed drama character, which we'll talk about later.
2: But sticking with the theme of animals, I mean, do you remember last year with your fish category, which was just—it was nuts (laughs) that there was a category.
0: (laughs) Yes, that was such. It was crazy that
2: there had to be that category, and it had more than one contender. Like, what (laughs) was (laughs) happening? What was in the water in Dramaland last year? Literally in the water. (laughs) (laughs) Though I did not see Mimi, I did see some rather extraordinary other animal appearances that I just could not let this one go without getting its own shout out and we've talked about Puck and his irredeemable outing in forest but you know Gundi in turn wasn't that bad it was actually it was a really low key easy watch wasn't very demanding Wasn't very high stakes. It was just it was something nice. You could watch it without being stressed, and you enjoyed it. But that wasn't that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about the cockroach autopsy, (laughs) which was like I have never seen such an insane autopsy in my life. Wait, was this in Conde? (laughs) It was in Conde Intern, and it was just like it was a cockroach, and they had an autopsy. They had to establish its cause of death, and it was very important to the plot as well. Good use. Good use of cockroaches.
0: Uh, I mean, I don't know if I agree that there's ever any good use of cockroaches, but... Um, I didn't know cockroach autopsies were a thing. Now I know. I love that it was
1: integral to the plot.
0: It really was. Yeah. It was so important. It was high stakes. Wow. So if you didn't watch Kunde Intern, it's clearly, there's your reason. Go and do that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
11: Hey guys, this is Dr. Siddiqui, aka Pakistani Pepper. The drama that exemplified 2020 for me was, and I'm certain this will be no surprise to the wonderful crew with the yak, Stranger 2. 2020 had the impact of putting a lot of things into perspective, and perhaps the one thing it taught me very, very well was that victory is not a destination. It's a process. No accomplishment is permanent because new problems, new challenges, And new opportunities to do something good or something meaningful or something memorable will always arise. Shimok and Yujin will always go out the way we see them coming in, fighting, not always winning, not even changing anything in a major way. But at the end of the day, so long as someone with a sense of morality and a desire for justice is involved, evil will always have to work a little bit harder. And evil will find those good people, like Shemok, like Eugen, like everyone else in this world who fights everywhere they meet. That in itself is a victory for goodness everywhere. Thank you, Seya, Anissa, and Barma, for your years of dedication in providing content that has made me think and grow as a person.
1: And now a category that is just for Anissa. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: I just wanted to give this actor an award and I said I'm giving him an award. So it's literally called the E Award for being E uh, And it's the winner is E <laughs> But oh, which E You know there's two,
2: right? You have to... Sp- oh, there's more than two. But like there are two active ones in Dramaland and they've
0: even been in the same drama. Like last year they were in Lies Within together. This is the one who plays Dong Jae in... And stranger, and he was the male lead of 365. He is the only one that my heart recognizes. Okay, honestly, I said
2: that facetiously, and you answered it seriously. <laughs> There's only one Ejinuk, <laughs> the best
0: talking. That's about. what I do. Okay, so you have to be prepared for that when you ask <laughs> questions. But yes, he was in two dramas this year. He was amazing in both of them. He's always amazing. I want to see him stop getting mutilated and kidnapped and uh, brutalized please and thank you
1: do a romance next i want to see you being happy also please please stop doing second lead roles just don't do them anymore You have graduated to main lead level. Please just stay there. Yeah, he needs to be. Don't you a main feel lead he forever. chooses his roles quite carefully though? I mean the character roles, yes. Like stranger, definitely. That that's a role he should always take. But oh, he
2: needs credit for that scene. That one take scene. That was from season two, right?
0: That was from season two, where he's he does this like really long like pages of dialogue in that scene. And it's perfect, and it's all in one take. It's when he first goes into Uteha's office and he brings him those files with all the... I think you've probably already seen this too, Brahma, where he brings all the files and he's talking about these cases and how they need to be basically making his case yeah. so that he can investigate 100% them. weasel. Yes. <laughs> oh, he's so good. Yeah.
2: I feel like it's always awkward when we're like, speaking of Eugene <laughs> York. <laughs> <laughs> he was really great in 365 and i feel like he's a little bit underrated in that partly because it's a genre drama and everyone doesn't watch genre dramas it didn't have a romance and it was only 12 mm. episodes so unless you were looking out for it you might have missed it but and this is a great lead-in actually for our next category which it was uh best episode endings and 365 is one of the strong contenders for it because that show every episode had a brilliant cliffhanger and it just it was very fraught it was twisty and it just made you desperate to watch the next episode you say that now but wait
0: until you finish
2: (laughs) (laughs) actually I I felt that same feeling with Kairos but I've only watched two episodes of that but I'm 100% good to take that on faith
0: I think also I watched 365 mostly after it was done I think I watched some of it live but mostly I watched it at my own pace With Kairos, I watched it week to week, basically when it came out. And then there were two weeks when it was preempted due to, like, baseball or something else unimportant like that. And (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm a lot more forgiving of, like, COVID preemptions, but when it's, like, baseball, I'm like, whatever, give me Kairos. So it was, like, I think five came out on its own, only one episode Mm. that week, and then six came out the next week, and then the next week was seven and eight. It was brutal just getting one episode and having, like... Very intense, important, suspenseful things happening at the end. And you're like, oh, no,
2: what's going to happen? Especially when the odd number episode always has the worst cliffhanger. They do.
5: Yeah. They're the worst.
0: <laughs> so after five, we were all like our blood was drying up in our veins. because We we couldn't take it. I don't know who's getting this award, by the way. I
1: don't think we have to choose one. We oh, have just okay. talk about our contenders, right?
0: I also want to give a shout out to It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Did you guys finish that one? Yes. yes. You did. Okay. Roma, well, you did. I just feel like they weren't... Cliffhangers, but I feel like every episode ending was just really beautifully done. There was always an emotional moment or like a really impactful moment. I think the one that stands out in my mind the most is there's that episode where Kwak um, Dong Hyun has his cameo as the the cha- the son of the congressman who has schizophrenia, and he has this whole sort of meltdown during the episode, yeah. and then at the end you see it from, from his
1: perspective.
0: No. In the drama, you see it from his perspective. At the end, you see it from oh, an external perspective that's right, that's where you right. can't actually see what he's imagining. You're just seeing him walking around in the clinic and you realize that all that was imagined. And that was like heartbreaking and beautifully done. And there was a lot of really
1: amazing moments
0: like that. I had some issues with the way the plot resolves at the end, but those... Moments were really well done.
1: I know that this is not what we are talking about under this category, but I haven't actually said much about it's okay to not be okay in any of the yaks because I was so behind. But because you mentioned that particular scene with the schizophrenic son of the congressman, when that plot wraps up, his his mom comes up to him and slaps him and kind of screams at him and walks away and he's like, oh, that just proves she loves me. And I really, really hated that. It doesn't prove anything of the sort. No, that's just proves she's a terrible mom. Yeah. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. It's just a thought that had been stuck in the back of my head and I was like, I must speak it <laughs> to make it real. <laughs> so. I don't really have a contender in this category, but I do have in the next one. So let's (laughs) move right on there. (laughs) And that category is best epilogues. So for, I mean, I don't know why I'm explaining this, but (laughs) that's (laughs) when the episode ends. Credits have rolled. And then you have that secret, you know, bit at the absolute end where some little scene is explained a little more or you get a different perspective. That's your epilogue. What's yours? (laughs) What's your favorite? (laughs) Yeah, what's yours? Okay, so I'm going to start with a drama that I wouldn't rank very high. But the reason I have put it here is because the drama was telling one story in the actual episode. And then there was a romance that that only happened in the epilogues. So if people didn't watch the epilogue, they would not ever find out that the romance actually (laughs) (laughs) happened. (laughs) That's kind of cool device there. right? I don't think it was intended (laughs) that way because there are references to the romance in actual episode body later. But if you have missed the epilogue, you would be very confused. And that drama is good casting. (laughs) There is this entire boss secretary romance thing going on. But it only exists in the epilogue. So, guys, if anybody hasn't watched it, just watch the epilogues. <laughs> yeah, actually, if you just want to, if, if you want to watch that drama for the romances, just watch the epilogues. You you would get the full romance.
0: Oh, speaking of things that you wouldn't get if you didn't watch the epilogues, I just want to like leave a little Easter egg for people. If you've watched Kairos, make sure you watch until the end of the credits for episode sixteen. Ooh. Okay. Like all the way to the end until it I finishes. always watch yeah. uh, drama credits to the end.
2: But yeah, a lot of I'm, people I'm don't. Always afraid because, that I will yeah. miss something. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, convinced <laughs> something is going to happen at the end. And oh, sometimes I'm disappointed when they don't.
1: I actually do that with movies too. Avengers, but I stop. Oh, I think Netflix
2: makes you stop as well. Yeah, but also like what I really like in final episode credits is that they always have the cast pictures and the crew and like the BTS yeah.
0: pictures, and I just I really enjoy that part. That's why I only watch final episode credits because in all the rest of them they have the oh. preview first and then the. And I always after, watch, and previews. I don't <laughs> watch previews. Yeah, I mean, no, dude. I don't. It feels like a spoiler. To I only me, so I don't, don't watch them. if
2: I'm like working on the drama like reviewing it or something but otherwise i'm watching it as far as i'm concerned that's canon even when it's misleading and a lie which it is sometimes interesting
1: which (laughs) often it is record of youth oh
0: sorry that was (laughs) uh but let's talk about the good ones yeah Yeah. this is about the best ones so What's your what's your contender, Saya? So this is like going back all the way to the beginning of the year,
2: but Crash Landing on you had some really great epi- I really loved the epilogues in that show.
0: Yeah, I 100% agree.
2: Like every episode had this little mini story, you know, like Burma said, it's another perspective or it's a little addendum to something that happened before. And like my absolute favorite epilogue in that whole show was the tomato plant one.
0: Cause <laughs>
12: <it was laughs> oh, my just, heart! Oh,
0: it was, yeah... <laughs> There was something extremely beautiful about that show, just in general. Mm. It was just very, very beautiful. It was a
2: really emotionally intelligent show as well. And it took its time in aligning you with their emotions. Like, the time that it takes the characters to align themselves in their own hearts and heads, you go on that journey with them. And that's the mark of a good show. It takes you with it. It's just everything in that show was, exactly as Anissa said, very beautifully done. Yeah,
0: And funny. And funny, (laughs) yes. And speaking of funny, so I haven't actually finished this one. I'm on episode, I think I've watched nine episodes. But Into the Ring, also known as Memorials, had the best epilogues, at least so far, that I've seen all year because they've managed to keep this balance of humor and like just gut-wrenching emotion that somehow like every time it just gets me. And that whole show is just really moving and really hilarious at the same time. Like it has a really weird tone, and and it like the epilogues are kind of like the epitome of that. So super, super enjoying that show. Uh, And then of course, Dodo Sol Sol La La Sol episode six when Mimi plays the piano is uh, epic and will go down in history. (laughs) Absolutely, for one good reason. (laughs)
13: Hi. You know, at the end of my first full year of watching K-dramas, weirdly, the thing that I've been thinking about in relation to the form has been this batty theory that was popularized by this German poet called Schiller in late 18th, early 19th century. It was called Naive and Sentimental Poetry, and it's quite famous. Uh, Orhan Pamuk wrote a book called The Naive and Sentimental Novelist that famously and quite badly took off on that idea. Um, And Schiller's whole deal was, look, there are two kinds of poets. There are naive poets who write spontaneously and directly, and everything they write is like kind of this almost sensual description of their experience. And then there's the sentimental poet who is more watchful, more knowing, more self-reflective, more pragmatic, if you like, but also more cerebral. I mean, to me, in many ways, this is just one of those binaries that the liberal arts teaches us to love, uh, and it's completely batty. And yet, somehow, through this year of watching K-dramas, I just found myself so drawn to them and so immersed in their vision that the duality kind of resurrected itself again. And I found myself wondering, are these like naive or are they sentimental or are they both? And I think the answer is that it depends, obviously. This feels like a weird thing to even bring up, right? In a podcast about a form that most of us don't actually watch while thinking about German theory. But even as I say this, I remember that uh, the last... The drama I just finished watching, which was Hotel Del Luna, actually features a work of German philosophy quite prominently in like a couple of major dramatic parts. So, you know, if the Hong sisters can do it, so can I.
0: The next one is wardrobe we want to steal. And Soieji in It's Okay to Not Be Okay has no competition, honestly. Like, oh, like, every time she came on the screen in a new outfit, I was watching with my mom and sister, and we would all just, like, sigh. Out of, <laughs> like, I don't know, we were, like, jealous, and we were enjoying it at the same time. And I was like, I want all of her clothes. My mom was like, we can't fit into those clothes. And I was like, yeah, true. You're <laughs> like, even if I had those clothes, I wouldn't look like her. And that's... The sad reality, (laughs) but it was very enjoyable. And you know, it wasn't just that they were beautiful, but they were doing so much character work. Yeah, exactly. They were doing so much storytelling. It was so interesting how when her relationship with the world changed, her you know, the way she dressed and her hair and all like it all had a reason and it oh it was so good and then it fit in with the fairy tale mm. aesthetic with like how dark and gothic it was and how she slowly changed as, you know, her inner journey progressed and like her fashion also changed, but it never lost the personality. Oh, yeah. It was just so good. So good. Like the aesthetic of the whole show was amazing.
1: All of two episodes, yeah. though. So sorry to carry on. It's no, no you're <laughs> right, absolutely to the ab- tail end of episode sixteen. Everything, including the the sketches and the cartoons, oh, just yeah. uh, and and the animation and and the stories inside, like the little children's stories that were included. Uh just. Such good writing. Yeah, and they wrote those for the drama and now they're going to actually publish them and sell them. And they will sell because they act genuinely good story. They're not just memorabilia of this drama. They are genuinely good children's story. They're very dark though, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I suppose most parents wouldn't be handing them to very young children, but uh, they are still really good. It's very Coraline. Um, mm-hmm. a lot of those stories. So, yeah, I mean, if you are, like, 10 and above, you should be able to appreciate them. Why am I addressing our audience as if they are? they're not. I don't think the kids are listening to us. But maybe, you know, just like mm-hmm. with Gangte, reading that story about the zombie boy, there are certain fairy tales that, that really get to you when you are an adult, so... Yeah. Um, Coming back to the wardrobe, there is actually a a moment in the drama where Gangte asks the the chief of the hospital, like when somebody really dresses up fancily for like even normal occasions, does that mean that they're like super vain? Uh, And he was like, no, it just they are using the very pretty clothing as armor. And that's one theory, but it, it, it works really well for this character, especially Soji's character. It, she does use her makeup, her clothing, everything as armor. The more vulnerable she feels, the more she dresses up. So it, it yeah, it, it does a lot of character absolutely. work, like Anisa said. I also
0: wanted to give Hyena a costuming shout out. <laughs> I don't oh want to oh steal God, yeah. clothes, but I love uh, her? her in them. <laughs> yeah, yes, absolutely that that was also another show that had uh great set design that was just such an integral and interesting part of the story like her office again i wouldn't want that office but it was an amazing as her office like and her like her extremely tacky track suits and like all the gold rings that, and like her sunglasses and her brightly colored suits and i love how hijay is also fabulously dressed <laughs> <laughs> and then the way the interaction between their their suits uh oh, it's just great and then there's the rest of the legal team at that stuffy office they're all wearing like black but the two of them are just fantastic does you not get a shout out i haven't watched the show but
2: i know
1: she's always fabulously styled so you so she's gorgeous of course but her style in that in spies Without me isn't exactly stand out oh that's not, a it's, shame. Not, yeah. it's just pretty clothing it's not something that's you know super memorable for being her clothing
0: and she is uh a fashion designer herself like she's a dress designer so the focus is more on the clothes that she makes Mm. rather than i mean she's always well dressed but it's not playing such a big part of her character the way it was and for example like in reach of sincerity her clothes oh my god have a big role in the story and they're and they're really you know fabulous and it's very interesting but in this not so much i mean she looks good all the time but she always looks good
1: yeah it's you, Ina.
0: Exactly. Sorry. I have an
1: acrostic for her. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> is it time? No, let's I mean, go. do we have another We've mentioned her, this? so let's do it. <laughs> okay, cool. I forgot what my acrostic was. Oh. I have it somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll read mine out. Okay. <laughs> so, UNR is deadly on any mission of any magnitude. In case you doubt it, never forget. Nice, pretty girls come armed with scissors.
4: Yes, so good. I feel like we need sound effects,
2: yeah. air horns.
1: <laughs> I do believe it's my best acrostic ever. Also, my first acrostic, <laughs> <laughs> your only acrostic ever. But you're gonna start doing them now, right? I actually might. This is a lot of fun. I haven't written a poetry in like. 10 years. <laughs> it's actually been a while. I love how I'm the only one on
0: this podcast who seriously writes poems. <laughs> and I didn't even bother to try doing a class. Too low poem. grade.
2: <laughs> no, I just, I
0: just stole Sayas. No, yeah, I just, when we were, you were, very we were like, reluctant. it's time, and my brain just froze. I was like, I don't know how to do this
1: kind of poetry. What, what is, what, I don't and know. And this is a woman who regularly like reads out her poetry to like large audience. So, yeah, that's that's just not true. <laughs>
0: I don't know, I just I was I couldn't do it. So yeah, I, I just rode on Saya's coattails. Sorry, Saya. <laughs> they they're broad coattails. Anyone's welcome.
2: I'm just checking if I have chocolate on my face. Okay, I don't
0: <laughs> <laughs> The listeners can't see it anyway. It doesn't matter.
12: Hi, drummer overflowers crew. I thought I'd just start by saying that I love your podcast and I await for every single episode. So my comfort dramas for this year definitely have to be the Chinese drama Go Ahead. I could literally watch that family sit down and have a meal. All the time. That's literally all you need to watch it for. It's beautiful drama, and it's all about family and family ties. And I really did enjoy it. Uh, for Korean drama, it definitely has to be. It's okay to not be okay. I loved how they dealt with um, psychology and mental issues. Also, I just loved how the family came together the found family aspect of it I think found families for me this year have really been a big thing I've never really been a fan of the genre before but As of this year apparently I love it and look forward to watching a lot more within that genre. I think there's something magical about a bunch of people who are coming together and supporting each other through tough times which this year clearly has been for everyone. So I hope 2021 is a little better for everyone and thank you so much for you guys for doing this podcast and for cheering everyone on. Alright,
2: you take the next category. <laughs> I have to take this one because I basically wrote in and wrote in the winner and then I wrote, sorry, no competition. So we didn't even try. Yeah, I fully no arguments expected here. some competition, but I didn't get any. So I was like, oh, okay then. Well, <laughs> that was easier than I thought. <laughs> so last year we did the best music category and I felt this year, nothing really stood out in that way, except for like one track. Therefore, this category is the best single OST track. And this is one I think at least me and Anissa have had on loop for a long, long time. I can't even tell you how many times I've listened to it. It's just that good. And I can't remember what it's called. (laughs) (laughs) Overture, wasn't (laughs) it? The Stranger (laughs) 2 Overture, you know, the orchestral one. It's just so good. And we can't play it for you for copyright reasons, but we'll put a link down in the show notes so that you can listen to it and be transported.
0: I do want to give a shout out, because when you uh, first wrote this into the doc, I had forgotten that Crash Landing on You was this year. But I do feel that Crash Landing on You had an, an amazing OST. Pretty much all the songs on there were amazing. And I think I listened to them on loop while I was writing my final draft of my thesis. It was in my thesis. That's why <laughs> oh. it wasn't just random. But, like, I wrote about Crash Landing on You in my as part of my uh, master's thesis. But like... it's like a trend it's like transports you you know so i really loved that one and i also wanted to say the score for kairos there isn't really any music that plays during the drama itself there's one track that uh, is sung by kang seong yoon who also plays one of the characters that plays at the end of every episode and it's perfect but during the actual drama itself the music is used very sparingly and it's all like instrumental and you know But it's really, it's perfect. Like it creates this really creepy atmosphere and it's exactly the right amount. It's a very light touch with the
1: music and I think it was great. I have a really late contender to this. Uh, Again, I know this this drama was not that great, but there are just some things about this drama that I like so much. And there was this one OST that was sung by uh, Isang Yob and uh, that was... uh, Red backpack. I forget the Korean. And um, it was really catchy and really cute. And I sang it to myself a lot. <laughs> it wasn't orchestral, there was nothing deep about it. It was just a random romantic song that I just found super cute. <laughs> and it just, yeah, stayed with me for a very long time. So that, that's the one for me. This is from Good Casting. Mm-hmm. Oh, I forgot to say that. I Sorry. Think- Good Casting. <laughs> Plus, with the OST, you have so many like associated
0: memories. And it just brings all of that back. So like every time I listen to that song from I Remember You, I'm like, Yeah, the Dear Cloud one. In tears. That's such a good one. The Dear Cloud one. So speaking of crying. (laughs) 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 I know I've done that too many times. But (laughs) the next category is uh, made us laugh until we cried. Good crying. And for me, that's hyena. I don't think there's any competition in my mind of which drama made me laugh the most and the hardest.
1: It was, it was pretty great. (laughs) That's true. For me, though, it was the first half of Startup. It was funny in a way that I wasn't expecting. And you had all three main leads being just so, (sighs) they were just really good at being funny without being caricatures or slapstick. And it's the writing was tight the dialogues were great and the humor just flowed really easily in the first half so and especially between uh, Nam Joo-hyuk and Kim Son-ho there was this rivalry but also Nam hyuks character was really inexperienced about dating so you had this particular sequence of events where Kim Son-ho was trying to make him into a more dateable man and there was this um, very professor Higginsy. <laughs> i've seen that was happening it was just it was funny and it was light and uh the friends group were really uh they had really good lines so yeah just i i, I laughed a lot in the first half
2: i feel jealous that i did not watch these dramas <laughs> however
1: i did have a drama that
2: made me laugh just so much and you know sometimes you you're laughing and you can't stop which for me is like a disease, (laughs) but like 18 again, that one had me rolling for just ages. I would stop and replay like a five second snippet of a scene so many times. And every time I would just be like howling. And when you're doing that in the middle of the night and everyone's asleep, that's that worries um, people who wake up because of you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The first half especially was very funny.
2: It's all of that. Like, it's it's built into the premise, right? The situational humor, the old man in a young man's body, and yeah, all of that stuff. And I, I know that, And you you found the second half less enjoyable, but f- I, I enjoyed that one all the way through to the end, although it did have a couple of sticky moments. I
0: enjoyed the first 10 episodes greatly, and I fr- enjoyed the last two episodes greatly. I think just in the middle
1: there, I was a little bit less enthused i am so glad to hear the last two episodes were great it was a great it was really good. really really great yeah
0: yeah
1: that's always wonderful to hear
2: it's it's that problem isn't it 16 episodes you don't need 16 but you're dragging it out over 16 and that just doesn't help yeah 12 just do 12
0: (laughs) yeah (laughs) leave leave them wanting a little more instead of wanting a little less right yeah you always want to be left wanting more yeah so uh, the next one is kind
1: of related, but we felt like it deserved its own category, and that's most quippy. So I ha- I have kind of two in these. Uh, the first one is uh, crash landing on you, which I just thought was so clever in in its dialogues. Uh, just the the snarky remarks that were flying <laughs> all around were just, especially the north versus south. The the insults were really PG, but also just really great. <laughs> They were they were smart. The dialogue was just really great in general in that
0: drama. Yeah. Like the sad dialogue, the funny dialogue, the heartbreaking dialogue, everything.
1: Absolutely. And it's just that the one-liners were really memorable. So that's why. Best quippy. Most quippy. I
0: also really loved how she started using North Korean
1: slang when she came back <gasps> yeah, to the yeah. South Korea. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. <laughs> no, no, I completely agree. That was excellent. And also... Just such good character writing, too. With with little details like that, you can tell so much of the story. And they fully used the smaller details to tell the larger story. Uh, my next contender <laughs> is Spies Who Loved Me, which was this unexpected little gem where... <laughs> you have these two spies who at different times were in love with this and married to the same woman. And now um, they're all kind of in a tangle. Uh, Why am I explaining the plot? Sorry. (laughs) It's just, it's, um, they're really funny because there is a lot of hijinks that's going around. A lot of like secret mission thingy is happening and people are trying to hide secrets and reveal secrets. And often because there is a cat and mouse chase practically with every character, you're often in these tense situations which could turn Mark Jung, but instead it turns really funny because they just throw in these really brilliant one-liners in. Yeah, that's my pick too. Spies Who Love Me wins for me. I agree that Crash Landing
0: was really funny, but the quips, just <laughs> excellent. For all the reasons that you said. I loved also the constant digs at James Bond.
1: Ah, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're like, the younger agent was like, Bond never does stakeouts. And then um, Eric's character's like, All he knows is how to wear suits or something. He's like, (laughs) he's not a real spy. He's just like, yeah, so this was really, was really great. Ah, it's great. I also wanted to mention Into the Ring, which is also really quippy. And it has really great one-liners. And a lot of the humor in that is more subtle. It's like, some of it is situational. Some of it is just like, it's a very quirky and kind of, um, I saw somebody mentioning that it's almost like Wes Anderson-y, but it's very, the directing style is very distinct. There's a lot of use of fisheye lens, which usually gets annoying after a while, but actually works really well, even though it's like a a drama and like episode after episode, they keep using it. But it just really suits this weird off center, off the wall kind of tone. And the humor follows that same thing where like people will say lines in a really deadpan way and then you'll just be dead on the floor laughing. Like it's so funny in a really like uh, it's it's kind of more subtle but more over the top. I don't know. It's it's hard to explain, but it's really funny. So I, I would say that it's also very quippy. Can I add an anti-award there?
2: Absolutely. Go for it. <laughs> so you're talking about good quips. Let us now speak of bad quips when all you have is quippy and no real content.
0: You remember when we were doing the What's Up in Drama Land" where we talked about this premiere? Banter! And you we were talking about how like banter, yeah, and how like you didn't like the bad kind of banter and it ended up being the bad yeah. kind of banter. We were hoping for good banter. It's but. just
2: the cleverness only counts when it means something, when it's the icing on your cake. I think I said exactly the same thing before. You don't want just icing. Nobody wants to just have a mouthful of like sickening sugar that doesn't have anything else with it. Some people do. <laughs>
0: yeah, I guess.
2: I mean, it depends on what you're there for. Yeah. If you're there for a story of rich relationships between people that have meaning and that have consequence and an arc and, you know, growth and all of those things, and all you get is a bunch of quips that ultimately don't mean anything. <sighs> It will surprise nobody that this is Record of Youth, <laughs> at least if you've been <laughs> listening from the beginning. Record of Youth really misused the cleverness of its dialogue by not adding any layer or texture to the characters. And this is kind of like Ha Myung-y, who I love as a writer in half of her dramas. So it's like she has a hit drama and then she has a miss drama, and this one was a miss drama. And I don't feel bad about like, oh, I wish I had liked it because it was her. It's just... This is a shame
14: and it's a waste. Hi, this is Helena. So I'm a newbie to k drama, not uh, really very well versed in tropes. But I will mention a couple of actors whose performances really stood out for me in the dramas I watched in 2020. First is Lee Jun Hyuk, who I watched first in Stranger One and then Two. Uh, he really reminds me of another favourite actor from another era, Tatsu Nakadai. Uh, Tatsuya Nakado was one of Kurosawa's favourite actors and appeared in endless classic uh, movies, Japanese cinema of the 50s and 60s. Compelling physicality and incredible range. He could basically do anything. Anything that is except convince you he was an ordinary Joe. And I think that applies to everything I've seen Lee joon do so far. Also hilarious when you least expect it. I'd also mention Lee Q who also appeared in Stranger and Prison Playbook and Haiba Mama. The Way the Man Cries. The endless variations to bottomless, endless pain emanating from his eyes has provided some of the most unforgettable moments of uh, what, TV watching this year. So that's it. Thanks to the drama of the Flowers team in 2020, and I look forward to what you do in 2021.
2: Pretty done with K-drama land, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, done with, uh, we're done with K-drama. Okay.
2: So we, we also want to give a little bit of time, not too much, because probably everyone's dropping by now. <laughs> I want to give a little bit of time to the non-K-drama dramas that we watched this year. And again, may come as no surprise to anyone who's been following our work over the last year. I wrote a thesis on this drama, like literally. <laughs> it had chapters. <laughs> and the drama is Find Yourself, it's a C-drama. And I've said everything that I have to say about this drama, so I'm not going to add anything else to that now. Except that this was my COVID drama. (laughs) And I managed to get through eight episodes a day of this drama. I don't know if I've ever done that at any other point in my life, but I tried to rewatch a little bit the other day. And said this a little bit earlier, but dramas are epochs. Find Yourself was an epoch for me. Like watching it, I felt everything I felt back then. I even sort of could feel the fever. (laughs) Wow. The nostalgia is strong for me in that one. Apart from all of the other reasons I like it, it also has that sort of connection to a period in my life which, is every time I watch it, I, I feel it again.
0: And for me, I already mentioned this, but Avatar The Last Airbender was the best quarantine watch this year. It was so much fun. Like Me and my sister started it because we were like, you know what, it's finally on US Netflix. Um, everyone's been telling us to watch this for the last like 13 years. Let's just watch it finally. And so we started it and then we got my mom to start watching it with us around like episode 12 or 13 of season one. And then my grandmother started watching it with us. And by the end, every day we were just like, oh, let's should we watch another episode? And then we would just like watch it for two hours after dinner. It was great. We didn't want it to end, but we also wanted to know what to happen. <laughs> the ending was epic. Yeah. It was amazing. As, as Boroma told me, it did crush me in the best way. And yeah, what an experience. The only quibble I had was like, there didn't need to be any romantic relationships in that. Uh, those kids were, were fine just saving the world. But other than that,
1: it's the perfect show. Loved it. I don't really have a non-Korean. I've primarily just watched Korean dramas this year. The only thing that I watched that was non-Korean turns out not to have been released in 2020. That was uh, The Untamed. I mean, in terms of Chinese dramas, usually I would have loads of Chinese dramas for you guys, but yeah, the, this year I just watched Untamed and that released last year, so and that was pretty great. The whole world discovered the Untamed. The whole world, <laughs> discovered the, yeah. the
2: internet,
0: disco- yeah, the non-Chinese speaking internet discovered yeah. the Untamed, and There's they like went like crazy. Legions of
1: fanfics yeah. and like people have just. They just dived into a hole and never came out. Pretty much. Yeah. It's just one of those dramas that, if you're like super removed from the fandoms, never watched anything remotely like this, and you just suddenly came onto this and from like an anthropomorphological perspective. (laughs) (laughs) um, Anthropological? Okay, anthropological. That's the one. Um, Perspective, you just looked at this drama and were like, it's okay. (laughs) Why are people so crazy? It, ca- it cannot be explained. There is just something about the dynamic between the primary characters, the just general warmth and sweetness in the story, and also the epicness that kind of builds up in the background and certain characters, the way their arcs go. It just... You know, sometimes you just have magic and fluff and and that was what was untamed. Speaking of magic
2: and fluff, can I add one more to this before we like wrap up the whole awards part? I don't know if anyone's been following our December dramas tag on Twitter, which is our sort of annual one tweet review fest of dramas people have watched this year. One of our Twitter friends, Ali mentioned a drama called Romance of Tiger and Rose, which is a C-drama. And I don't know what possessed me to be like, huh, let me just try this. (laughs) Because it's always such a production for me to start something. Like I need to get into the right mindset. I need to like, so many things. But like, sometimes I'll just put something on and watch it. And it's such a weird, wacky premise. Like, uh, the main character is a scriptwriter, and she falls into her own drama. She does not merely fall into her own drama. She falls into the drama as a character that she has killed off in episode three. So, it's <laughs> like, wow. it's just, it's completely nuts. But it's also, like, it's cheesy, And it's ridiculous, but it's also hilarious. And the more you watch it, the more your affection for it grows. And I'm like five episodes in and there's like uh, 24 episodes, I think. But like, I feel like I'm in good hands. And this one, from what I've heard from everyone, it does end well as well.
1: This one is on my watch list. I was actually waiting for it to end because I was afraid it was going to have a sad ending. (laughs) Because, you know, the whole fictional hero and real human heroine situation. But yeah, okay. Hey. But you know what's great about it is that it really acknowledges that she's the
2: creator of that world. And, you know, she Mm. goes around telling, like, uh, a character, I know everything about you. I know you better than you know yourself. And she's like, I wrote these characters. She knows
0: what they're going to do. She knows, (laughs) you know, she wrote them, right? And it really plays with that. Well, that was kind of my quibble with Extraordinary You is they didn't really deal with the writer question. The creator
1: was never explored.
0: Yeah, it sounds really good. Definitely
2: just dive in. You know, like K-dramas with their minimum 60-minute runtime, there's a certain amount of energy you need to commit to 60 minutes. And in some cases that can be like 80 minutes and you just feel very tired. With the C-dramas... They're, they're 40 minutes, right? And a good f- minimum five minutes of that is credits. They are so easy to watch, it's like they watch themselves. So even if it's 24 episodes or 40 episodes, it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And that's a wrap on the awards. So now all of the Yaks have been distributed. <laughs> Should I make a statuette? I feel like we're, we're abusing poor Goguma, <laughs> like, cutting him into slices and like throwing him to the... Yeah, anyway. Well, that was a gruesome image I didn't need. <laughs> You come up with all the good imagery and I'm like, murder the animal. I'm sorry, I'm bloodthirsty.
0: It's very on brand for your your thrillers and your revenge pillars.
4: Hey you mob, it's LT here, Lieutenant. I am finally on holidays and in a place where it is very, very hot this time of year. We like to relax by drinking something cool by the pool or generally keeping out of the heat. So if I'm lucky and have the time, I'll get to turn on the aircon and binge some dramas. Which brings me to the subject of what got me through 2020, this terrible, horrible, no good, very bad year. To say that dramas got me through is the truth, but it's also a lie, since dramas did get me through 2020, but also I watched very few. I spent most of the year in Slumpland, which I kind of imagine as a kind of a 2020 lockdown with couches and takeaway. Comfortable, but maybe a little bit dreary, and an escape room that I could never quite puzzle my way out of. This was the year I hated everything you loved and loved everything you were indifferent to. I picked up few and dropped many. The dramas I ended up loving were the poor, overlooked orphans, the low-rated little gems. Well, apart from Forest of Secrets, of course, which was neither overlooked nor low-rated. But when I say that dramas got me through, I mean that it was this community that got me through. This little group of drama watchers. Because the few dramas that I did like, I really liked. Loved even. And it was so great to be able to share that experience with others who did too, but especially you guys at Dramas Over Flowers. Writing the Forest of Secrets reviews and doing the podcast were the highlight of my year. Yes, even having to get up at 5am on Monday mornings to watch the episodes. Thanks guys. Time zones suck. I may have watched less dramas than I ever have, but I've also been inspired to write and talk about those dramas at record levels. And so this message is a shout out to all the wonderful drama fans who joined me this year across all the forums I hang out at. You got me through. See you all in 2021.
2: So we've talked about how diverse our respective watch lists were this year. So rather than picking a single drama or just a too finite list of dramas, we're coming with our favourites of the year to sort of wrap up this entire discussion of drama land in 2020. And so. I think Anise and Burma are going to give you three dramas. I'm going to give you
0: two because I don't have three. (laughs) But I'm going to let you guys start. For me, um, this is probably not going to be a surprise because I've talked about all these shows a lot already. But my top three for this year were Stranger 2, which it's just perfect. The season one was perfect. Season two was perfect. I mean, we went into why in the spoiled yak and like a lot of depth. So I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it here. But it was just... An excellent exploration of what to do when you're stuck in a, in a corrupt system where the institution is set up in a way that it makes it really hard for you to do your job in an ethical way and yet still have the courage to do that anyway. And it was it was a perfect drama for 2020. I think it's a perfect drama for life. <laughs> it has a lot of really amazing, like, how do they make a drama that teaches you so many life lessons, but it doesn't feel preachy at all? But it has, like, the best life advice of anything I've seen this year. Uh, Yeah, it's thrilling. It's hilarious. We don't really talk about this as a humorous show. We often are talking about, like, the serious themes. But, like, I was laughing so hard at points that I had to pause and, like, come back to it. Yeah. That's my probably a number one, although I didn't want to rank them. And then my next one is My Unfamiliar Family, which uh, we also did a spoiled yak on. You can see who was... uh, (laughs) forcing people to do
5: Spoiled Yaks.
0: <laughs> but yeah, it was a perfect family drama. It it put all the goodness of a 50 episode or with none of the filler and the wasted time of a 50 episode or into 16 episodes. It was funny. It was real, sometimes too real. The family relationships were so revealing. I guess this is something I should talk about later, but it had probably my favorite romance from the year. It was just... So 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 good. Um, and I want to watch it again, and I'm sad that it's over. And the last one, so I was debating between this one and hyena, but I can't not give this to Crash Landing on you. Not because not only because it was one of the best dramas I saw in 2020, but because I wrote an entire chapter of my math sister's thesis about it. It was such a big part of my life. I spent so many months thinking about it and writing about it and talking about it, but also. I was just really impressed by how they actually did what is the best portrayal of life in North Korea and of North Korean people that I think has ever been done by a South Korean production. And they really were very respectful about like asking people and involving people who were actually from there. They got so much input from directors. One of the writers is actually a filmmaker who escaped from North Korea and he was one of the like main people who made this show. and he was actually he did an interview where he was telling all this stuff to the reporter and then he told the reporter like they are able to watch things that we make here although they have to risk their lives to watch them but I'm so excited for them to watch this and I can't wait to see what they think about that and I was like really moved by that because for him it's really bittersweet because he had to leave behind his family and he escaped by himself so I just feel like I don't know. It was more than a K-drama, is what I'm trying to say. And it never, like, you know, for me, as a as someone whose family is from Pakistan and who has multiple family members who talk about the pain that they felt and the trauma they experienced during partition, this also felt very personal. And that's one of the reasons that I chose to write about shows set and made in places where they have experienced partition and about all of that stuff. I'm not going to go into it now. It's too too detailed. But it is very moving to see a show that like both acknowledges that pain and doesn't like oversimplify it or gloss it over or make it seem like it's not a big deal. And even the ending is not, you know, cause in the beginning I was like, how are they going to end this? It's not going to end well, but they managed to keep some of that grief and sorrow. And, but I also, there was some hope and some, some joy at the end. So I really, really appreciated that.
2: That was really beautifully put. Thank you.
0: I didn't realize this before,
2: until you were talking about it now, about how much time you spent inside the drama, because that adds something completely different to your experience of a show, doesn't it? The more time that you spend inside it.
0: Yeah, I don't think I can be objective about it, honestly, even though I think it's an objectively good show, but it just means so much more to me.
2: And we all need dramas like that. Yes. It's wonderful to take something like that away from a year that we really needed good shows that saw our grief in all of the myriad ways that we experience it
0: yeah sometimes you can cry about something that's happening in a drama when you're not able to cry about what's happening in your life and it can be really cathartic Mm. and I've experienced that many times
1: Okay, so my favorite drama of the year, which in a year that had so many uh, supernatural sci-fi dramas is a bit odd, is a pure romance. It's Do You Like Brahms? It's a drama that's warm and sweet and so considerate of the characters' feelings and their agency that it has a lot of rewatch value to me. And that's a rare drama. I mean, it felt like it saw its characters very clearly. And one of the things that the drama explores. so you have Park Bin's character, which by the way, this year I just discovered Park Bin. She is such a gem. I finished this and then I went on to watching uh, Stove Leak for her. You haven't watched Age of Youth? I have, but I- That's what, what I was going to no, ask. Hold on. I watched her there. She was just not this memorable. She was just another kid in the drama for me. She didn't stick out, but after Do You Like Bram, she really did. You know, there are just certain dramas that make certain characters, like certain actors really stick out for you. And for me, this was it. So Park Yoon-bin's character here kind of really makes me feel seen. Much like her, I don't have very obvious gifts. I just have obsessive liking for certain things. And persistence. Don't forget that. That's a skill. Well, yes. <laughs> and she has and she has persistence by the droves. And she had really she has mildly skeptical but mostly supportive parents, which is very important if you want to spend an extra six years studying something that you're not showing much natural talent for. But she has that. She has a supportive environment, friends who root for her. She's got all of those things, but most importantly, her struggle is accepting that her dream of being a violinist who would give concerts, like she would be on stage and she would be a performer, that would never be realized because she just didn't start early enough and she doesn't have the natural talent for it. So at the end of her journey, she accepts that being a performer is not something she would ever be able to do, but there are other jobs in the field that she can do with satisfaction but that is a point that she has to come to and I know it sounds super melancholy at the end of your dream you find acceptance that you're not good enough (laughs) but it wasn't really like that it was more that she loved something with all her being and that thing didn't love her back which is a line in the drama And at some point, much like any relationship you're in, if the one you love desperately doesn't love you back, you have to accept that and move on. And she needed those six extra years to figure that out. And that was the arc of like realizing that this relationship isn't working out for you. So you move on to better things. It didn't end with disappointment. She just moved on to better things. And... I really liked that with Park Hyun Bin. She was just so stubborn about exploring. Even though she knew the the odds were against her, she just wanted to give it a shot. What if she did turn out to have talent in this field? So she was not willing to just be like, oh, I started out too late, so I just can't. Hmm. This woman's stubbornness is just inspiring to me. And also, while she's very polite, she's usually soft-spoken. Park Ben's Bin's character, which is uh, Che Song A, and there is this running joke in this uh, drama that Che Song A sounds a lot like she's apologizing. So every time she introduces herself, everybody's like, Hi, you're sorry? What are you sorry for? It gets old really fast, but it's part of her character. Like she sounds very apologetic when she says certain things, but the woman has a like, backbone of steel. And her romance with Kim Min uh genius pianist is just so sweet. And it's, I've said this before, it's like this manually old-fashioned romance. They become friends first and they start developing feelings for each other and it grows slowly. And there is, one of them confesses, the other one takes some time, but they're both res- respectful of each other. And it's just really warm. And yeah, there are issues. I have issues with this drama. If you guys listen to the Spoiled Yak uh, that we recently released on Do You Like Brahms, you'll find out that I have tons of issues with this drama. But these two characters at the end of the day make just such... A good pair. Like, they are good for each other. You know, at the end of certain dramas, you're like, they ended up together happily ever after. I'm pretty sure they're going to divorce in a year. That's not the case with these two. (laughs) They're good with each other and for each other. So, that's my number one. My uh, number two drama, which I just managed to finish this morning so I can finally talk about it, is Flower of Evil. Oh, my... God, I missed Ajun ki so much. Why hasn't he been doing roles like this? I just why? Why scholar who walk, walks the night? Why? <laughs> we all ask why about that one. <laughs> right? I mean, I appreciated Lawless Lawyer, but this this e ki oh my God. I just I anything I say is probably going to be a spoiler here. So it's um <laughs> yeah, I'll just briefly explain. say that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I won't. I mean, I'll just give you the p- premise that's like on the websites everywhere, which is that he's the son of a serial killer and he has antisocial personality disorder or everybody says that he does. The entire mystery of the thing is, who is he? Like, has he committed certain crimes? And he's living this double life. His wife is a cop who doesn't know who he was in the previous life. He's actually assumed a second identity. And then you have this cat and cheese dynamic between the wife and the husband where the wife is slowly unraveling. Like she's known this guy for over a decade and a half. And then turns out she actually hasn't known this guy at all. And she thinks that he's like the most loving husband. And he is, which is why his desperation to keep his family life intact and not let her find out his past is just so gripping. Because why? Did you really commit the murder? What are you hiding? What are these mysteries telling us? It's just a great ride. And Munchewan as the cop wife who's this really really loving wife and mother in their marriage. And the drama starts with them married. And they have this adorable little baby girl who's like five years old. And and an Ijunki with this baby girl is just good competition to the hospital playlist, father and son duo. So should we have had another category for just that? Maybe we should have. (laughs) Well, let's just say it now. Those two. (laughs) I just, uh, it's a great drama. I enjoyed it. Uh, the, okay, so the very ending kind of, still good, still good, but I'll talk about that some other time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and the final one for me is Startup. And we've said plenty about Startup. Everybody said plenty about Startup. I just want to mention one thing that I recently realized Startup did. And again, I want to repeat my earlier point. I didn't really mind that Dalmi ended up with Namda-san instead of Pyong because Jipyong and Dalmi never really had anything between them. It was mostly in Jipyong's mind and he could actually do way better. So I'm not disappointed about that. But what I really like about what the drama did was it actually subverted a very old and cliche drama trope, which is always, always will the main romantic pairing have a childhood backstory. And here they had these two characters with a childhood backstory who did not end up together. So I found that, hey, that's a great subversion. Yeah, plus, <laughs> that's very exciting. It was basically about Dalmi growing up, getting over her first love, and meeting this other guy and falling in love with him. That's just such an adult relationship story that I, yeah, I admire that.
2: I really love that, actually. That's a spoiler worth knowing. <laughs> yeah okay Saya.
0: is it my turn yes it's your turn i feel
2: like i've already said everything about my picks already so i don't need to spend long on them but 18 again was just my happy pill this year it was just such a joyful drama it was uncynical it had so much going on and it actually was really dramatic at points but it never dwelled on those uh big drama moments it just would move through them Even if it was, and I know this was one of your reservations, and you say it was slow on its reveals, but it was fast on its drama. So even though crazy things happened, I didn't feel like the show was slow in itself. Ultimately, I felt like it was a very healing watch. And we've spent many thousands of words reviewing this show as well. So again, I feel like I don't really need to add too much to what's been said there. But like, if you're talking about amazing women in drama land this year, apart from sort of the dodgier parts a little later, Kim Hanl's character here as Chong Da Jong was just such a wonderful, without being cheesy, but a really wonderful role model character. Because, you know, you're working women of a certain age, and you're going through life, and you're experiencing very specific things, things that are specific to our time, to our era, and to our points in life, right? And... All of the things that she experienced and handled with like this wonderful grace, it was a way that you could sort of sit there and take notes. Oh, like, this is how you handle that kind of situation. Like a script that you couldn't use in your actual exactly. life. And in that yeah. way, I found it a very constructive drama. And we reviewed this with our friend Sana, uh, on the blog. And, and I think she she used that word um, about Da Jung's character, which is that Dajun was a a person who built things up. Like, she wouldn't take people down, she built people up. And that was such a beautiful way of conceptualising her, and is absolutely right. So, everything put together, it had these amazing emotional crescendos, like there was that, I think I told you, it was at the end of episode 8 or something, and I was like, you're going to (laughs) cry. (laughs) <laughs>
0: and <laughs> oh, I sobbed. I cried my eyes out at the end. Yeah, of the if study. you're
2: going to talk about an absolutely perfect episode ending, that one episode I would call the best ending of anything in drama land this year. And shows that make you cry, it can be for two reasons, like oh, well, I guess more than two, but two main reasons, like there's sad cry and there's um healing cry. And with this, the sadness was there, but it was like crying cleaned it all out. And so Hmm. you finished that show and you just felt very healed. I did. So I I felt like that was a show I needed at the time I watched it.
0: Before you move on to your next pick, I just want to say that I also submit a, a Hyena Episode 8 as a perfect episode that happened this year. Oh, that's something to look forward to. I have no worries. <laughs> it's, per- it's perfect. It's perfect.
1: I died. Watch I it to know why. <laughs> <away. laughs>
2: exactly. No spoilers. <laughs> okay, go on. Yeah, my next one is the one, again, Lake Burma. I just crammed this in, not because I didn't want to watch it, but because I didn't want to finish it so fast. But Good Detective, that, it's just how everything you said about Stranger 2, I want to take all of your words, Anissa, and apply it to Good Detective. I feel like Good Detective distilled into its 16 episodes everything that Stranger 1 and Stranger 2 set out to do, and it just packed that all into one show, and it just (laughs) <laughs> I think I've lost my ability to be coherent about this show. Even it's okay, though Okay, t- I stole your poem. You can you can steal my words for this. Right. <laughs> Sarah. Shall I just leave it at that? Okay, let me say it a little bit. So this show refused to be cerebral about its topic. And that is it's a choice that really worked for the show because Oftentimes when you're working with big ideas, sometimes you need to sort of take that step back and and throw a little theory at people. The show doesn't. It has its central case. So I'll tell you quickly, the show begins on the wrongful framing of a man who is then sentenced to death. So there's this big question of the death penalty around which everything in the show revolves. And it opens up some really painful avenues in the questions that it asks and it comes at it from like these two sometimes opposing sometimes sort of side-by-side perspectives so there's the law enforcement side and on the other side you've got the media and the journalism side so you've got these three central characters uh the two detectives and then there's uh e elijah who plays a journalist and she's so good here a really really great role And so like having those two perspectives, it adds depth to your vision of the show. It covered so much ground, like it covered questions of accountability and whether individual choices matter in the grand scheme of things, whether there's any value in trying to uphold personal integrity in a broken system. And you know, all of those questions about like systemic corruption that we dealt with in Forest of Secrets, they they come up here as well. But In a more emotionally immediate way, like rather than being boardroom and crime scene without human beings involved, there was so much humanity in the way that this told his story. And it came down in the end to this question of like human relationships and bonds versus connections. And, like, it never says those words, but it's such a clear theme in the show. And this is true of Forest of Secrets as well, is that, you know, there's this whole question of the connections that people have, but then there's this equal and opposing question of the bonds people have and the way those two things interact differently and the way people interact differently because of them. It's just... So, okay, the reason that Forest of Secrets is not my choice here is because I needed help with that show. If I were watching it alone, I wouldn't have got everything out of it that I did watching it and analyzing it with you guys and so that's the reason I haven't put it on my list I loved it I enjoyed it to bits but I didn't do it on my own whereas with Good Detective I'm doing this all on my own (laughs) yeah it's probably the richest show I've watched this year and I've spent a lot of time with it as well
0: very excited to watch it I'm really looking forward to it now I'm worried it's gonna let you down (laughs) if it does it's nothing to do with you I'm sure it'll be amazing So that kind of wraps up our year in dramas in 2020. We know that it's been a year like no other year before in our lives. No matter where we live or who we are, it's been intense and ridiculous and terrifying for all of us. So, like, good job. Like, I want to say good job to myself. I want to say good job to you two. I want to say good job to our listeners. You know, we, we did it, even if we lost some things along the way. But I'm sure we all achieved something or we survived something that we're proud of. And I'm proud of all of you for that. And for us, as Ramos Flowers, we had some like pretty cool milestones this year. For our third anniversary, we did our first ever live stream and we were really nervous about that. But you all made it so fun and warm and exciting and all of that. And it was really cool because this year was the first year we really got a chance to connect with our listeners. I feel like for a long time we were you know we were recording these episodes we're putting them out we weren't sure how many people were actually listening to them um but you know when we called for uh your feedback about problematic dramas for the representation episodes you sent such amazing emails and notes and all kinds of great thoughts and that really made those episodes meaty um we joined a network this year which is a whole new experience for us we're still learning about that so yeah i i'm sure i'm missing something but we it's just been really really great and thank you for being on this journey with us yeah we've had a lot of fun
1: absolutely and we want to extend a special thank you to our patrons you guys made it possible for us to keep doing this even when we weren't sure if we should be or could be doing this uh on a you know long-term basis because when we start passion projects, after some time, the heediness of it kind of fades out and then it becomes something that you do on a regular basis. It becomes a bit of a work and then you start weighing pros and cons of things, right? And one of the things that always keeps us coming back to the recording table with each other is, of course, the love of dramas and the deep need to discuss storytelling. But also the fact that we know that we have a small but steady community of supporters who just were who there for us who are listening to our episodes mm-hmm. who think that what we are saying has value and they think that we should keep doing this it's hard to explain how powerful that is to um, anybody creating content around stuff they love so thank you so much to our patrons <laughs> and also thank you so much to our listeners as anisa said you guys have been engaging with us and we have been figuring out more ways of engaging with you guys and also anisa already mentioned our live stream but i need to emphasize that we came on video this year we've been very audio based in all the prior years and this year we kind of came out on video and talk to you guys and just you guys were great thank you so much for making us feel like we have been able to build a bit of a community and that you guys like listening to us
0: yeah and we also we like really started the blog in a in a big way this year which before it was just like a receptacle for our podcast episodes <laughs> <laughs> <It sounds
2: gross>. <laughs> <laughs> recept- no but that works. <laughs> yeah that's that's a word i use for the
0: toilet i think you're the basin a repository (laughs) for our (laughs) sorry this year we really started putting reviews on there we had guest bloggers for the first time People actually started leaving comments and every time we would get a notification, we would like squeal out of excitement. So it's it's been wonderful. So many of our friends came and wrote with us on there. It really did start feeling like a community in a way that it never has before. So it's been really, really lovely.
2: Yeah, I have a few closing thoughts as well to add, because as Anissa said, it's been a year of a lot of change and I had a lot of personal change in my drama land forays in this year also. A lot of that was highly related to Backstreet Rookie and all of the the stuff that came out of that. And I was having a conversation with our friend Sana the other day, and she said something really a, a fascinating theory which they use in teaching. And she was generous enough to send us a voice clip about that, which we will play for you now.
10: Hello, Drama Overflowers. I have been asked by the lovely Saya just do a quick clip on something I mentioned the other day to her which was the whole theory of windows and mirrors. It's um, something that was introduced by someone called Emily Style in case you want to google it and basically the idea is in terms of representation when you give someone a window it gives them the chance to look into the lives of somebody else and it helps them build empathy, whereas if they get to look in a mirror, they get to see themselves and that helps them build confidence. So I was talking about in life and in schools and with children that getting to see images that represent themselves in books, literature, television is really important because it helps build that self-confidence, whereas if you never see yourself, you start to think that you're not part of the norm in the mainstream. Oh gosh, now you all know what I sound like. Oh!
2: <laughs> so I just, I feel like this is really relevant to what Barma was saying about how we have all come together for the love of dramas and what keeps us talking about them and what keeps us able to engage with these stories is this desire to understand each other and this desire also to be seen. And the windows and mirrors really, that theory is a really concise way of distilling what it is that we are ultimately seeking in all of our stories and in basically in all of our friendships as well. And when we watch dramas, we get this window into other people's lives. And when we talk about them, sometimes we will find ourselves in, in those dramas and we may want to talk about them in ways that not everyone can relate to, but we want to invite people in. And if there's anything that we've tried very hard to do, I mean, try isn't the right word, but what we've always tried to do is is tell the truth about our experiences in a way that I think all of us are very private people. So the fact that we actually have this public podcast where we are putting our private thoughts out there, it can make you very vulnerable. And that's something that it might not look like it, but it's something that we think about a lot about how much we want to put out there how much you want to give people the power to know you and potentially hurt you and all of that that's a that's probably getting a bit deep but basically I think it would be a really wonderful thing if we could go forward after all of the things that have happened this year in drama land that were good or bad in the fandom and just wanted to understand each other more which Mm. it's a big job. It sounds light, but it's a big thing to do.
0: Yeah, well said. And I think what we sort of have attempted to build here is a place where we can do that freely. And hopefully we can create a space for other people to also do that freely. And we hope we've somewhat succeeded. Uh, We did take on a lot of topics this year that were not new topics for us, but we definitely went way more into depth with them. And it's been really rewarding. It's been really amazing. It has also felt vulnerable and at times... Uh, You know, like we were stepping out across a cliff that maybe there isn't anything Mm. below it. But, you know, it's been really worth it. And I personally am so glad that we've done that.
1: Yeah.
2: And I'm very humbled by the connections that we've made with the people that we have. And for everyone who takes the time out to come and hang out with us and... You know what's weird? We get into these things and people are like, Oh, you know, this is it's so cool that you're doing this, but actually you're doing this for us. <laughs> We're yeah. like, Is anybody gonna come? Why would anybody want to? And in the end, you guys do come and it's great and we appreciate it and we love to be able to to share, mm. you know, a space together. So thank you.
0: Yes. And I think that's a perfect segue into I was gonna your say, lovely poem, Saya.
2: <laughs> I have prepared a poem. It's not like art. <laughs> My first poem was the best poem, but I won't tell you that one because you had to be there. <laughs> so uh, someone else who's underappreciated this year has contributed to the existence of this He's not underappreciated, he just was undermentioned in our last um, couple of hours. So this poem comes to you courtesy
0: of Udo Hun. It doesn't rhyme, but here we go. It's an acrostic poem, that's why it's courtesy of him. <laughs> it's from the initials.
1: It spells out we'll his name.
2: Yes. We have loved having you join us in our often long-winded yaks about our favorite and unfavorite shows. Do yourself a good turn and drop bad shows when they're bad. Otherwise you'll end up losing... Hours of your life to it, which you'll never get back. And the point is joy, not waste and misery. Joy shared and multiplied.
0: Yay! Aww. Yes, that was, that lovely. was lovely. That was wonderful. That's perfect. <laughs> if only we could end on that on that warm-hearted note. Except I have a dad joke. So <laughs> come on, that's the best note. <laughs> so this is courtesy of my nephew, and his dad gave me permission to use his name. So I'm giving him an actual shout out because he's excited about that. So his name is Zayd. He's five. And he told me this excellent joke, and you, you two have to guess. It's a riddle, so it is. Why did the chicken cross the road twice? Oh my god, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be
2: beaten by a five-year-old. Uh, <laughs> to get back to where he started?
0: I don't know. Because he was a dirty double-crosser. Oh my oh! god! <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it the best? Oh, that's a good one! That's why I had to save it for the year, end yak. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Zid. That was perfect. You're the yes. best. <laughs> and he tells it better than me. He tells them so good. I'm outshunned by a five-year-old. This is this is life at its best. Yes. I mean, we're always outshunned by five-year-olds. No, absolutely. <laughs> that's exactly the point. They're a lot more fabulous than we are, and cuter. they really are. And wiser. Mm-hmm. All right. So that's that's, that's it. it. This is. I mean, if you made it this far, well done. Uh, Congratulations, yes. <laughs> Sorry.
2: <laughs> so, you can follow us on Twitter at our personal account, so mine is at NotNowSaya. And I'm on Twitter at anisa Khalifa underscore.
0: And I'm on Twitter at FestaFaster. And you can find the podcast at DramasOverFlow. And you can find the podcast on Instagram at DramasOverFlowers.
1: You can look us up on Facebook as as dramas over flowers and we also have a blog which is dramasoverflowers.net
0: and Dramas Over Flowers is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media podcasts.
1: And that's it! The year has ended! Yay! <laughs> well done, everyone! Let's pray that 2021 <laughs> is better. <laughs> we will not verbalize expectations for 2021 <laughs> because that did not serve us well last year. So. <laughs> that's true. We have no expectations. <laughs> Keep breathing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Alright. Bye, Bye everyone! Bye-bye, Randy (laughs) Fendi.